Mama always said life was like digital river order. You never know what you're going to get. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 183, for the week of Wednesday, the 26th of August, 2015. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Eddie. And Adam. This episode is brought to you by Bam Kapow Collectibles and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our Toy of the Week is the Sideshow Collectibles Conan Rage of the Undying premium format statue, and our discussion topic is a toy history of our favourite Sumerian, Conan the Barbarian. Scotty here. Just before we get stuck into the show, we wanted to let you know that there are a few issues with some of the audio in this episode. We had a few dramas with recording. We've cleaned it up as best we can, but there are a couple of moments that don't match the usual standard that we aim for. It is a great show. It's definitely worth a listen. The guys have done a fantastic job, and we do hope you enjoy. This is Major Matt Mason, Mattel's Man in Space. Ready for every adventure with all his official equipment. The space station, protected by solar shields. The moon suit, designed for exploration. The space crawler that keeps on going no matter what. Get them together or separately. And share the exciting adventures of Major Matt Mason, Mattel's new man in space. Well, greetings, gentlemen. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Hey! <laughs> hey, Adam, I don't think I've talked to you for ages. How have you been? Uh, yeah, pretty average. I know, I know. I've caught the odd uh, Facebook post. Tell us what's been going on. So, you would have missed the episode where I came back from surgery, and then there was another one where I tried coming back and fell asleep during an episode. Oh, yes, just yeah. about. I was on, the, on that show with you when you, you nodded off mid-podcast. Yep. So, the last couple of weeks I've been having kind of difficulty with rehab, um, we think we've sorted it out, but uh, it's been unpleasant. So if this is your first episode of the podcast, dear listener, um, that's a, a physio-type rehab for your ankle as opposed <laughs> yeah. to um, some... A cocaine habit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. some kind of uh, mm. illicit drug. Yeah. Speeding the addiction. That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so you're on the mend? Yeah, I think so. Very so good. See how we go with that. And other than that, it's been um busy work week or work month and um, trying to avoid catching the various almost flute-like bugs off of people at work. Mm. And you also celebrated your fifth wedding anniversary. I did, yesterday. Sensational. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. It seems like only uh, only yesterday I remember you announcing your engagement. Yeah, it's like just flying. <laughs> I honestly, like, it got to five years and I'm like, okay, that's just, where'd that go? But <laughs> I think the what? first photo I ever saw of you was actually um, a wedding photo of you in a suit, so that's how I've always pictured you since. <laughs> well dressed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Dapper, Dapper. chap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, which anniversary is the fifth one? Wood. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yes, there were, there were um, you know, promises of just tying a ribbon around appendages and, and that was the first. <laughs> <laughs> 
sounds like a great segue to move on before we get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. Eddie, what have you been up to? Uh, I haven't been uh, up to that much. Anything interesting? My biggest highlight of the week was when I realised Tangellos are back in season oh, and yes. uh, quite readily available, which is my favourite fruit of all time. I uh, just love a good tangelo. It's like that episode of Seinfeld when the grocer gets those mangoes in. So I've been down. I got a really good fruit store near me. So I've just cool. been uh, down almost every week, just consuming tangelos like crazy. So my vitamin C is uh, through the roof at the moment. Good on you. I certainly look forward to the coming of spring in terms of uh, the cost of all our fruits going down because in winter they certainly go up as we. Um, struggle to get decent fruit and also have to import a whole bunch of stuff yeah the fruit uh, is always an interesting one i remember around 2000 2006 when bananas went absolutely crazy and you know it was almost like five dollars for one at one point and my mother she was uh, quite sick at the time and she had a craving for bananas and um went out and got a like a big uh, bunch of bananas to sit there and, you know, comfort her while um, she was going through some trials and tribulations. And then she was feeling so sick she uh, decided she couldn't eat them and they just sat there and I didn't really eat bananas at the time and they just sort of withered and went and was like, oh, there's $50 in bananas rotting in the bowl right there. Sensational. Yeah, yeah that's the, uh, the number one commodity in our household. Yeah. The uh, tadpoles in my place just um, power through them, so which is good because they're good little yeah. fruit bats. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, what about yourself? Yeah, this week I've spent uh, quite a bit of time on eBay. I I've pre-ordered the sideshow one-six scale Deadpool, and I'm very much looking forward to them soliciting their Punisher figure that we saw at San Diego Comic Con and. In anticipation of getting, I think, Deadpool later in the year, um, I thought I might start looking at uh, some other stuff to sort of kit him out in terms of additional weapons and things like that because I know there's a, a bit of that around. But um, holy crap, man, those one six scale collectors are absolutely spoiled. Like <laughs> there is so much stuff out there, uh, and it just blew me away the quality uh, of some of it, particularly the weapons. Um, just amazing but uh, geez you can spend a lot of money as well yeah so i I was sort of looking at um uh, one six scale um toys and things like that so you know there was like a fireman's axe and stuff like that and the prices that some of these people charge for them is more than what it cost you from a for a real axe from a hardware store (laughs) it's kind of you know bizarre when you you know you're looking at um hand grenades and you're going oh okay you know that's that's pretty reasonable um yeah and they're two dollars fifty each and it's this tiny, you know, third of an inch tall piece of pla- moulded plastic. And it's like, really? Jeez. <laughs> so, but uh, I haven't purchased anything yet. I've just added quite a bit to my eBay watch list to sort of see how things go. But, uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll take the plunge and end up picking up a few bits and pieces and it's probably a slippery slope, no doubt. So, we shall see. All right. Well, we have a positively barbaric show uh, this evening, so maybe we should get moving with some articulated news. Indeed. Ah, barbaric. I see what you did there. Yeah, good, wasn't it? Yeah, very nice. (laughs) 
an incredible secret is revealed. When innocent-looking vehicles and ordinary men become an awesome fighting team, it's the secret of mask, where illusion is the ultimate weapon. Piranha's getting away with the laser blueprints. Stop Condors. Ready for takeoff. Mask vehicles in place and each sold separately with action figures. I'll let them off the river. <laughs> but Gator's ready, and he never gives up. Surprise, you're through. Mask, where illusion is the ultimate weapon. Wow! Before we get to our main features, we start each episode with a bit of news, and articulated news is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. And we're not a comprehensive toy news service, these are just the things that relate to what we're interested in and may have caught our eye. So, um, oh, I guess before I hand over to Eddie with our first bit of news, I might just remind folks that um, we have our very own Reddit. Uh, that's at um, www.reddit.com forward slash r forward slash AFB podcast. And uh, you can actually go over and submit news items. You can vote on existing news items that people have put in there and just generally let us know what sort of stuff interests you and you'd like us to, to talk about. So, um, yes, Eddie, what do you got? Well, first up, I have a bit of Star Wars news. Now, slightly different from the Star Wars news that we covered last week. This is from Bandai, and it's part of the Misha line uh, of Star Wars figures. So it's the ones done up in very feudal Japan style. Uh, And this week we have... Boba Fett, uh, the bounty hunter himself, uh, coming out in uh, what has been called a bit of a Ronin style. Uh, so he, he's looking quite neat here. He's uh, definitely got that samurai uh, influenced armor, not too much heavy armor, but uh, he's got a bit on. It's a bit interesting seeing him with a sword for the first time, uh, really, in a while. He comes with a blaster gun that's very reminiscent of a pirate pistol uh, style, almost blunderbust without the horn on the end. They've done a good job with that, I think. They've managed to maintain the look of his original weapon. Yeah, I'm really liking what they're doing with the weapons uh, on this design. The only thing about him that's a bit odd to me, now I'm not the biggest expert or lecturer on feudal Japan, but the top of the helmet almost has a bit of a Frankenstein style skull design to it. I don't know how you'd describe it, but oh, okay. yeah. instead of that, the round edge, it's it's almost um, an upside-down bin uh, type lid. Now, that might be a, a common uh, samurai uh, helmet design one, but that just is the one thing on it that stands out as a little odd to me. Yeah, not to my knowledge. That's that's not common uh, amongst sort of, um, you know, Japanese... Um, military design. I mean, you know, there's a shot uh, in the solicitation of um, Boba Fett looking directly at you, and the helmet is actually more reminiscent of something medieval. Mm. It's got a, a very sort of feel of the, you know, that old style bucket helmet. Yeah. To have, so, which is odd. I guess it's it's kind of difficult, isn't it? You got to try and maintain, you know, the look of Boba Fett's helmet, which does, I guess, have that that um, medieval sort of European look. Um, but the rest of it certainly does come yeah. across. They've managed to capture that Japanese feel. Yeah, no, re- really cleverly done. And, I mean, they've used his armour that he already has on quite well. Mm. Uh, but if you're looking to uh, grab this guy, he's going to set you back about $90 uh, US on that, which is fairly standard uh, for these Bandai 
uh, Star Wars figures that have been coming out, but with the amount of detail on him, I, th- I think that's a fairly fair price. And they uh, pumping these out fairly quickly too. Yeah, they're getting through a few of them. Now, I think this is the third of the Misho ones, third or fourth, and then uh, their other ones seems to be moving along. It's almost like there's a movie coming out. You think so? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and speaking of characters that are getting a movie, so we're starting to see an amp up uh, with uh, their product being released. From our friends at Diamond Select, we have the Marvel Deadpool 8-inch retro-style action figure set. Uh, so this is these figures that they've been doing of recent, very reminiscent of uh, the Mego style figures. Uh, and Diamond Select are doing them in the way you get the figure with and their Mego style outfit plus two extra uh, costumes and suits that are interchangeable and uh, different heads and accessories that you can swap them with. Now, Deadpool, you might be shocked to hear, didn't have a Mego figure originally uh, back there. So those of you going nuts, searching for it on eBay, thinking yeah. that your collection's missing. Uh, and a safe search. Yeah, this is one that they've actually uh, decided to retroactively do. Uh, and what they've done is they've done a Deadpool, how he would have looked if he was done in the 70s. Uh, so it's a bit more of a basic costume. There's no highlights, no uh, symbol on the belt, uh, sort of different style bases of his uh, feet there. So that's uh, painted on designs rather than 3D sculpted and a fairly basic-looking head with the black circles. And in his two other costumes, you get uh, a more modern design outfit. So it's uh, he's got more buckles and belts, making his dad, Rob Liefeld, quite proud. Uh, He's got his uh, thigh band with buckles on it, and his boots are more 3D sculpted and printed and designed. And he's got some faces with a bit more character. So you've got an unmasked head, uh, which has him with his Freddy Krueger and map of Colorado love child design look and one with a bit more of an expression face, so one eye closed, one eye uh, open, which is becoming a bit of a common uh, alternate head uh, with him in these figures. And the costumes themselves are the X-Force one, so the black and grey, and then just the red and black uh, done in the more modern one. Uh, Now, look, I'm loving this. I'm a big fan uh, of Wade Wilson. He's one of my guys that I buy pretty much everything of him that comes out in action figure form. Uh, so while I'm not collecting this line, uh, I will be picking up uh, this set. So it's looking to launch in January. So, you know, perfect time for my birthday there. Hint, hint nice. uh, to folks out there at Diamond Select. Uh, and yeah, I'll be grabbing him. I was, was surprised though, looking in the top right corner of his box, he's got a assault rifle and a pistol. And I'm pretty sure they're the ones that actually came with his diamond select figure. So looks like there might be some part reuse going on here, uh, with the items that he came with, with his select figure. So I don't know if that's been done, uh, with their previous figures here in the past, but I'd imagine they'd be in a very similar scale. So they could get some, uh, reuse there. So, what are you guys thinking of this? Do you? Um, I think it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I still can't get into these retro figures. Um, you know, been there, done that when I was a kid, and you know, it was the best of its kind available. And I don't feel any kind of um, need to relive that. But we've got sort of um, you know better design stuff 
these days, but uh, I can see it's definitely a, you know, a collector's market. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's fun, and it's Deadpool's a guaranteed seller. It, it says that this yeah. is a limited um, edition set of just 3,000, which seems really odd because um, they'd probably be able to sell you know, way more than that. Yeah. I, I do hope with the uh, figures going forward that they keep this uh, going back and redesigning them to look vintage uh, for one of them. You know, if they do more, if they do a Star Lord, for example, doing a, a 70s Star Lord as it would looked released by Amigo. Um, really like when they do that little artistic ad to them. Yeah. Cool. And coming up next in the news, I have uh, news from Underground Toys. So I talked about them last week with the Sherlock announcement, and they're returning to the brand that made them famous with Doctor Who uh, in the beloved five-inch scale. And this is the first proper figure we've got of the 12th Doctor. Uh, so they've only done one figure of him before, and that was as an alternative head with the 11th Doctor uh, season finale set. Uh, and this time the Capaldi Doctor is getting his own action figure to himself in his c- proper Capaldi uh, outfit here. So it's been over a year and a bit now since Capaldi uh, appeared on our TV screen, so it's uh, good that he's finally getting his plastic representation to stand alongside uh, your, it's going to get confusing, but your 12 other doctors there once you include uh, the John uh, Hurt one. Uh, But, yeah, he'll be added in as the 13th one there in your collection as the 12th doctor. And the the face sculpt on this one is not as good as the Benedict Cumberbatch last week. In fact, I think that the head sculpt in the original uh, set there um, of the series finale uh, probably did slightly better, so I almost hope they uh, scrap this head sculpt and go back to that one. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, I, I don't mind the actual costume itself, so hopefully uh, he has that swappable head and I can just do a bit of a custom there. So uh, it's about 25 years old. Yeah, I, I, I really think it's the eyebrows. Capaldi has those very distinct eyebrows and they, they haven't quite captured it. Cheeks also aren't hollowed out like Peter Capaldi's cheeks. Yeah. I think like, it's, you know, I, I remember reading a, um, oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was a comic book artist was talking about, you know, how to draw faces and that sort of thing. And, you know, the one thing he said is you've got to be careful because every line that you draw adds, you know, adds a year to, the, to their appearance. Um, and I assume sculpting is much the same. I think his face is just far too smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of those ones where I was so excited about the announcement for it, and then, Ben, you've come along and pointed something out. Now I can't stop looking at it. Now, not a, not a, the, the, the hot pink lipstick isn't working for me either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just keep taking this whole form. <laughs> we, be, we better move yeah, on before I completely let's, let's destroy you. <laughs> They're not time accurate shoes. <laughs> All right, how about we talk about Deadpool or something? Yeah, okay, that's a good idea. That, that'll make me happy again. So how about we talk about the Marvel Bishoujo one-seventh scale Lady Deadpool. Uh, so this is an alternate reality Deadpool, uh, which is Deadpool as a woman, which uh, I hope doesn't awaken anything in me. Uh, but she's looking fantastic in that classic Bishoujo style, uh, standing there in hip sort of off to the side pose. 
She comes with two different heads. So you've got the mast head with the flowing ponytail, and you've also got an unmasked head with a beautiful woman underneath and a swappable hand so she can be holding the mask there itself. Uh, See, well, this is one that sort of, uh, as a Deadpool purist, gripes on me a bit because she's uh, in the comics meant to be scarred underneath that mask. And, uh, yeah, having the beautiful woman, I know for Bishojo, Bishojo means beautiful and it's uh, incorporating that in, but uh, there's that little nitpick of a fanboy in me uh, that sees that and it's like, hmm. So what, Kota Bukaya, Kota Bukia, whatever they're, whatever they're, they're saying that basically scars don't make you attractive. Yeah. So you can't be attractive if you've got, you know, yeah, I, I, facial imperfections. Yeah, I think it's about the inner beauty that should be uh, presented through there. <laughs> um, but look, she's a fantastic one. As we we're talking about with the retro figures, uh, Deadpool's really selling at the moment. Uh, so I have no doubt this will be a hot uh, Bissosio as it moves. Uh, she's looking to set you back around seventy-five US dollars. Uh, but luckily for me, because she's technically an alternate reality Deadpool, uh, I, it, it does uh, fall outside of my rules of picking it up. So I, I don't collect the Bishojos and I can technically skip uh, this one not being a 616 Deadpool. So I created a loophole for myself well, uh, <laughs> there with that one. Well, she's out in January, so you've still got plenty of time to change your mind. Yeah, well, that's my birthday again, intense. Try it out there. Very good. All right. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, Mr. Adam. Hooray. Um, so the first thing I'll start with is Toy Nami have, well, pre- uh, they put up the pre-order, um, the Ultimate uh, DX Transforming Voltron, which is a super-deformed transformable Lion Force Voltron. Um, guess who's going to get that, and guess who's going to make someone have to read out that name in a review? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hosting that episode. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is, like, I, I, I just saw this and I thought, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. It's a super deformed-looking Voltron. But then it's um, when you look at it, it's quite well articulated, and it does actually separate into the five lines and transform, yeah, which is just super awesome. Excellent. Yep. Uh, and does it have the pilots? Is that what I'm does. saying? They look absolutely shit house, but <laughs> it's there like you the, go. the game of life pilots. That's exactly right. <laughs> Can't expect too much. Um, it looks like it's only going to be about seven inches tall, so uh, I think pushing for much more than game of life pilots would be uh, a bit unreasonable. Um, and apparently it also comes with the shield and blazing sword as accessories, but I haven't seen any shots of those. That one will be out in October and set you back 125 bucks US. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yep. same. Uh, moving on, we have from Beeline, pulp, uh, 13-inch Pulp Fiction talking figures. So they've shown us Jimmy, Butch, Vincent, and Jules, and uh, each one of these will set you back about 45 bucks US. Yeah, when I first saw these, I thought, oh, geez, they look sort of meh. But then for 45 bucks, 50 bucks for, you know, 13-inch figure, that's pretty good when we used to Hot Toys prices. So, I mean, you know, they yeah. gone crazy, but then they've kept the price down, so that's nice. Yeah, they look a bit more Mego than Hot Toys, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do like how they come with a, a warning um, based on some of the things they say. There's obviously explicit language in yes. uh, a lot of the things they say, so I guess that'll attract a lot of people. 
Mm. They each seem to say about 10, 10 to 12 things. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, most of them are offensive. Yeah, and of course it's Tarantino, so there are plenty of classic lines that you get to uh, throw out there. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, yep. they, these are always one of those ones I'd um, might want to wait till uh, they're in hand because, uh, as you said, for quite a cheap price, I'd be shocked if they managed to get the actual actors' uh, voices and pay the royalties uh, on that for. So <laughs> wondering how those uh, lines come out and said, uh, I think will make a bit of a difference with these guys. Yeah, th- these are the guys that did the um, 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 talking Ron Burgundy. Ah, yep, yep, yep. Man. So, yeah. All right. And uh, we can't have news without something from Funko. Yes, so Funko, what a surprise they have figures. Um, <laughs> this week we're talking about Pops. There is the Phantom in September. Cool. There is uh, a Pop Rides uh, Colson in his beloved Chevrolet Corvette. And there is, and that's in October, and in September we have a holiday dancing group, which I didn't know that anyone needed, but there you go. Talk about flogging a dead horse. Yeah. <laughs> and that one's out in September, with, so it'll be out plenty soon enough for you to get it and put it up with the rest of your decorations. Well, it's really early. I have to say, you know, we often discuss whether, you know, the various licenses, um, you know, how well they convert into pop vinyls, and I have to say the Phantom looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. That's that's worked very well in this particular format. Yeah, this is this is one because I know uh, Funko listen to us and uh, take our advice uh, quite to heart. Funko, if you are out there, um, Phantom for the Legacy line. We need a good Phantom articulated six inch figure. <laughs> and I, I think you guys can do it. So yeah. I, I'm putting it out there. Every, everyone tweet Funko, message them on Facebook, six-inch Phantom, because uh, look what they've done with this pop vinyl here, and uh, Phantom needs more love. i take any of the pop characters. Mm. <laughs> so, yes, okay. nice. Uh, moving on, further Funkos, we have a Gotham suite coming out. Hooray! Yes, indeed. So... Uh, we've got um, Harvey, we've got Ryan from the OC, I mean James Gordon, um, we've got Penguin, we've got Selena, we've got Bruce, and we have, oh god damn it. Fish Mooney. Um, yeah, Fish Mooney. Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> Will's wife. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I never remember it, but I don't watch it often enough. Yeah, I think to me the ones that stand out are obviously Harvey and Catwoman because, um, you know, there are those elements that uh, you can clearly pick out, like the goggles on the head and the way Harvey has his hands in his pocket and he has the hat. But I tell you what, young Bruce, if I saw that on someone's shelf, I'd have no idea who it was. Yeah. See, I, I actually think you could almost get away with him as an adult Bruce with your yeah. uh, Batman line. You could pop that head off and put it on a Batman buck and uh, yeah. it would actually work. Yeah, it's not like um, pop vinyls convey age or anything like that. <laughs> no, well, that, that's the thing. If you didn't know the show, you would think he was just an adult character standing with him by the looks of it. Yeah, and continuing my OC jokes, you could pop off James Gordon's head, put it on Bruce's body, and you'd have Ryan Atwood. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> shows that I've show too much. I, I have to give this show another chance, or a fourth chance. I've, I've tried a number of times now to stick with it and I just um, I always seem to find something else to watch yeah I, I, I haven't been able to um, I, 
gave it two shots. That's that's mm. so the end for me. I think it's one of those shows you need to bulk watch. I mean, I watched the first ten episodes on flights back from the US and then went, uh, I should get into this and then couldn't be bothered. But <laughs> it's fine to watch it in bulk, but I don't think you'd watch it as an episode here and there. Week by week. Yeah. yeah. All right. And something else. My final bit of news is Gentle Giant are announcing further jumbo figures. This time we get a Superpowers Lex, which I thought we might have seen previewed before. Mm. In any case, that one's due out in the second quarter next year. It'll cost you $90, and it'll be 12 inches tall as per all of them. <laughs> true, true. Yes. Now, i, I got to ask with these 12-inch lines that Gentle Giant are doing. So they've got Star Wars, and they've got Superpowers. And Jojo. How long do you think it's going to be before we get the Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves... 12 inch ones where they get to reuse the bucks here because yeah, this absolutely. this Lex is pretty much the sheriff of Nottingham right there that can be uh, <laughs> hey. they could probably do it yeah why Lex Luthor god damn it <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've also got a um, Batman animated series Catwoman jumbo figure uh, which will also go for $90 be out in the second quarter of next year and be oh this one's 11 inches tall uh, there you go. She comes with a cat. Comes with a cat. Hot oh, damn. Yeah. Now I know you're busting to talk about these micro bubbles, aren't you? Yeah. Let me tell you, these are the shit, and and I do mean <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, sorry, not they are the shit. They are shit. Yeah. Um, so this this is wave one of uh, Marvel Secret Wars um, micro bubbles, and by Secret Wars we're talking about the dealio that went on back in the '80s, and and not any of the subsequent nonsense that's happened. Uh, so, you get a brown suit Wolvie, you get a red and blue uniform Spidey, you get a black suit Spidey, and you get a Hobgoblin. And they look just fucking awful. Yeah, it probably should have remained a secret. Yeah, look, I've got to admit, I mean, these are tiny. They're, they're only, what, two inches tall or something uh, like that. Yeah. They really are tiny, but they're kind of an awkward... They've got, like, a normal... Uh, action figure body, but then these oversized heads that are on um, springs, and I think you know that's just a, a legacy from the, the the agreement that Funko has with Marvel that they can't produce action figures, so they've got to produce bobbleheads. Yeah. The Funko Pop vinyl Marvel figures have um, springs inside their heads. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, I'm not feeling these at all. Not mine. But I mean, they're only three fifty as well, so. Yep, and the Wolvie has clip-on claws, so you can take them off. But they look totally obvious when you clip them on. Okay, well, maybe you know it's good for the the, the younglings if you've got a uh, mewling child with you that you need to satisfy in some way. So they're probably a good sandwich toy. Yeah, true. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank and you, sir. Nice and, I shall round out some news with... Um, this is an interesting one. This was brought to our attention via uh, our, our Reddit sub, um, subreddit. And by... Uh, start that again. Um, Head Wound Yoda has joined us on our red subreddit and brought to our attention a company I've never heard of. And apparently they are called uh, COO Models, Coo Models. Uh, I'm not familiar with them at all. Um, and of course, they've gone ahead and solicited a figure that is in uh, one six scale, and it's called the Monster File figure, the Werewolf. And uh, this is a one twelve scale action figure with um, 
well, I don't know whether we technically call it mixed media, but um, comes with, you know, clop outfits and that sort of thing. And uh, he reminds me a lot of um, Lupin, actually. So it's a sort of uh, an anime-style head on a 1-6 body. Uh, it's a fellow who's got casual dress. But what's really cool about this figure is he has a whole bunch of swap-out parts that allow you to turn him into a werewolf. So not only can you take off his regular jeans and swap them for shredded jeans after his transformation, but you pop off the head and you can put the werewolf head on. You can take off his um, forearms and replace them with claws, etc. But not only do you get his regular hands and claws, you actually get um, semi-transformed ones as well that you can put um, in between. So he comes with a, a whole mess of hands. Uh, so you get, what, eight regular human hands, then you get the two semi-transformed hands, and then you get the two fully transformed hands. Um, and that also includes uh, the, the feet as well. So you get the capacity to give him, you know how you've got that sort of lupine lower leg, where the, you know, the, uh, what do you call it, you know, with the sort of calf knee thing points backwards. Um, yes. You have the ability to click those in to give him that kind of... Um, lupine appearance. This is a great looking figure. I think it's fantastic. The biggest disappointment, I think, is that I've seen this um, solicited in a few places, such as um, Hobby League Japan, and there's absolutely no information with it at all. So these people have gone, hey, here's this figure, and here's how much it is. It's $215, and it's out fourth quarter 2015, and we won't tell you anything else. Excellent. So they've given us a list of uh, the bits that come with the figure, and you also get you know, the usual stuff, um, you know, shoes, jacket, jeans, shirt, um, backpack, hat, etc., uh, an interactive base, whatever that means. I assume it just means it has a foot peg that you can or something you can stick it on. But um, I think it's a, a great-looking figure from a company I've never heard of. So, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. All right, well, maybe we'll hear some more from them one day. Um, next up is uh, the folks at 3.0 have brought us a 1.6 scale Breaking Bad Jesse Pinkman. And um, first up is the portrait, and I'm it's not too bad. Um, Jesse's looking, uh, I'd say this is early on when he's... Uh, hasn't quite felt the uh, the stress of it all building up in him. Uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, I don't know. You guys watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, I was a big uh, Breaking Bad fan uh, when it was on. Um, what are you thinking of this portrait? Uh, it's... I, I think it's, yeah, it's... It's almost as if I'm looking at the last picture on the um, Big Bad site that we're looking at here, and it's like the left side of his forehead they've put in someone else's for a quarter of it there, Mm. and then in other parts it's sort of all right. Like where it sort of gets darkly shaded seems off, and where it's kind of light seems spot on. He's almost got a two-face effect going on here. um, I think his face is a bit too full. Like it's you know it's, it's as if um yeah it's as if he lifted weights and <laughs> and he's just sort of filled out a bit so he's got the like? the Capaldi wrinkles that Capaldi's missing yeah, that's here right. and he's taken yeah well he's a pretty decent price for a, a six inch sorry a one six scale figure he's one hundred and thirty five dollars um, which is uh, pretty darn good he's going to be available first quarter two thousand sixteen comes with uh, a fair few bits and pieces um, he's got a gun, he's got his leather jacket, his hoodie, 
a SWAT mask um, and four stacks of blood money. And I don't think they mean money covered in blood. I think they just mean money that was sourced from illegal means. So, but I guess for for that price, you'd probably not expect a lot of extras. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, looks pretty good. You can add your own paprika later. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, the folks at Square Enix uh, have solicited um, their latest figures uh, in the Marvel variant line, and we have a Black Widow um, who's looking suitably, I don't know, I guess Black Widow-ish. She's in her black outfit. She's got her bright red hair. Um, But other than that, Square Enix have gone ahead and done their thing, so the costume is um, very busy. Um, Look, I'm, I'm... I can appreciate the craftsmanship in these figures, but uh, I'm really just not a big fan of that over-the-top styling. Uh, it certainly looks fantastic in terms of um, you know all the accessories and the posability and all that sort of thing. The articulation looks fantastic, but yeah, looks, I don't know. looks very I, 1990s. Yeah, I, I actually really like the guns that she's got. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do quite like the design of them. Yeah, you do get a couple of really cool things. You obviously get a couple of handguns and knife. Um, and the, the really cool thing about this figure is you actually get a couple of effects. So you obviously get something you can stick on the end of the gun to make it look like it's firing, but also you get that... Um, uh, Widow sting. Yeah, the, the, ele- the electrical discharge that um, she does when she uses her Widow's Bite. Um, so that's something you can sort of plug in. Um, yeah, it looks quite good, um, but you know, $140... Yeah. Um, you'd expect pretty cool stuff. I don't know if she need, really needs that industrial strength bra, but hey. Yeah, yeah, that's just a side effect of the uh, that Square Enix line. Um, and they also solicited a Captain America yeah, at the same time. And, um, yeah, I guess I'd pretty much say all the same sorts of things. Uh, fantastic sculpting, you know, amazing amounts of detail on this figure, but it's just a little bit too over the top for me. Um, comes with uh, numerous hands. He comes with about six or eight hands, um, plus his trusty shield, and it looks like you have the ability to sort of plug that um, to his back and whatnot. Um, don't know, guys. What do you think? I don't think he needed that industrial strength bra. No. no he's, <laughs> got the, he's got the underlie straps there. That's right. Yeah, it's it's heavily stylized. Like there's there's mm. so many sort of little panels, and um, I mean it, it's borderline an Iron Man. Suit. Yes. That's what I was going to say. It would look good alongside an Iron Man if you're going to claim that he had some kind of Iron Patriot armor. Mm. It, this actually almost looks like to me if the character design, if Captain America appeared in the Arkham games. Yeah. It's almost that sort of over-strapped and lock-in points. I do like there are some hidden stars in his outfit, particularly on the thighs. It stands out a fair bit. I do kind of like the incorporation of that in, but yeah, no, very busy once again. That is. is, uh, That'll set you back $150, and that's actually available uh, as early as November this year. So, alright, my last bit of news is some stuff from Dark Horse in regards to their Game of Thrones license. They've got a few pre-orders up. Um, First is a set of Game of Thrones Dragon Egg bookends. Um, What's actually quite neat about these bookends, and it's something I wonder why you don't see more often, um, and that is it's actually in three pieces. So instead of just having two ends, you actually have a middle, which is kind of nice. So you get to see all three eggs, which is quite neat. Um, And I just, yeah, it makes me wonder why we haven't seen that before. So we just kind of get the left and the right, and 
Anyway, that looked quite good, $129. Um, we also, in their kind of, um, what is it? It's kind of like their, their staction line in their seven and a half inch figure line. Um, we've got uh, Grey Worm and Oberon, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> pre-battle condition. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of interesting that I, I, I find it interesting when people solicit um, stuff based on characters who were kind of like in one season and haven't been seen again. Um, Spoiler alert. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he looks quite good, and actually, uh, I think the portrait's actually not too bad. It looks quite like, um, uh, you know, whatever that dude's name is. So. Huh. Mm. Oh wow! They even give the spoiler away in um, solicitation. solicitation on on Big Bad. So I'd stay away from that if I were you. That's well done. Mm, nice one, guys. Yeah. yeah gosh, that's just ruined it for me. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our articulated news, and uh-huh. uh, maybe we'll be right back with the next instalment of the AFB podcast game. Name that. Hey boys and girls, John here with another exciting installment of Name That. When last I left, we heard a sound that sounded like trouble at home. Uh, Billy, you know Dad doesn't allow action figures on the table. But you said I could. (laughs) Hey, huh? That's no action figure. And this is a little different because it's outside of my wheelhouse. This is a Kmart commercial for WWE figures. And uh, Dad's probably going to get a little... uh, um, messed up before this is said and done because I think he's going to have to go into the ring with a wrestler. Anyway, if uh, wrestling isn't your thing, maybe this next clip, maybe it's wrestling, maybe it's not. But uh, I'll play it and we'll go from there. I'm back! Yeah? Think again. Battle damage! Add flesh compound! You think it's tough? Eh, maybe we'll play it one more time. I'm back! Yeah? Think again. Battle damage! Add flesh compound! Well, if you think you know what that is, I want you to head on over to AFB Forum. That's AFBForum.com. And, uh, you know, you sign up and you make your guess in the name that thread. If you get the guess right, you can win forum points. And we give away fantastic prizes for forum points, such as uh, fame and notoriety on the internet. Oh, what's that? Oh, they're telling me I can't give that anymore. Um... I think we have some uh, doilies left, so you'll maybe get an AFB doily if you save enough points. If you want to gain even more of those points, you can go over to tvandfilmtoys.com on Tuesdays and Thursdays where I play the picture version. Same idea. You guess in form, you get points, but uh, sometimes looking at pictures is easier. So, anyway, until next time, this is John saying Billy, you know Dad doesn't allow action figures on the table. But you said I could. (laughs) Hey, huh? That's no action figure.
That's WWE superstar Randy Orton. Where'd you get him? Kmart. Isn't he so cute? Bring home all the action of the ring with WWE toys, DVDs, t-shirts, bedding, and more. And now get $15 off your next purchase of WWE merchandise when you buy $40 of WWE gear. Do you have a kung fu grip? They're smart, and there's Kmart smart. Well, it's time for one of our favorite segments of every episode, Toy of the Week. Normally, we vary between, say, one and three. Tonight, we're tying it up in the theme of the episode with Ben's wonderful product that he'll talk to us about. So, Ben, over to you. Well, they say good things come to those who wait, and our Toy of the Week this week is, uh, well, it certainly challenges that, that's for sure, because... uh, the Conan Rage of the Undying statue, uh, I remember seeing the preview pics that came up and I thought, yep, uh, fan of Conan, so I'm in for this one. Then the solicitation came up, so I hit the uh, the pre-order button and then all I had to do was wait and wait and wait and wait even more. Um, in all my years of collecting, this is far and away the longest I've ever had to wait for something that I have pre-ordered. When I pre-ordered this statue, uh, the delivery date was the following May, and I thought, that's fantastic because my birthday's in May. So I'll, um, you know, when my uh, dearly beloved asked me what I wanted for my birthday, I can say, hey, you could just, you know, buy this for me. And uh, she went, yeah, okay, fine, and then you know, May quickly approached, and then it flew by, and it was um, re, re, uh, whatever you call it, um, to November, and I thought, okay, November, that's fine. That means it'll be out, you know, just before Christmas. I can always, you know, get it and put it away. Uh, I had the same conversation with Dilly Beloved again, and then Christmas came and went. Hmm. And repeat, repeat, repeat. So from the time I pre-ordered this statue to the time it was delivered to my doorstep was, uh, I think it was just, like, literally about three or four days under two years. Wow. So um, you keep getting those emails from Sideshow that said, you know, our team is hard at work on your handcrafted collectible. However, it's taking longer than expected. So, you know, we've had to push back the release date and that just kept happening, kept happening and to the point where it became a bit of a, an ongoing joke on a couple of the, um, the forums. But um, sure enough, it finally did turn up and I am going to talk about it tonight. So this is, uh, as I said, a, a Sideshow Collectibles release. Um, it is a 2015, um, uh, well, I got it in 2015, it was solicited in 2013. Uh, it is a premium format statue and it does use the mixed medium, uh, mixed media format so that we do actually get material and, and that sort of thing on the porcelain or polystone statue. Uh, I managed to get the exclusive version, which I'll talk about a bit later. So, um, the numbering on this one was surprisingly low. There was only uh, 200 produced of the exclusive, and mine is number 185. Um, doesn't sound like a lot now, but uh, the original pre-order price was 460 US. Um, I guess, you know, if anything is uh, you know, a, a bonus, it's that I ordered this so long ago that the dollar, uh, the exchange rate with the US dollar was much higher. 
so it actually didn't cost me as much as it would hold, uh, would have today. So, you know, there are some blessings for that uh, there. Um, that's about the standard price for a premium format statue, so I really dread to think what Sideshow, um, what price they would put on this statue if it was actually solicited today. So... All right, well, being a uh, premium format statue, um, no surprises, this comes in a um, split styrene uh, box. The outer uh, box, or the art box as they call it, uh, nothing too exciting. It's got a couple of close-up shots of Conan. They've added some uh, extra effects in to give the impression of sort of a bit of smoke and things like that, like it's the heat of battle. Um, really nothing too exciting at all. What I did like is... This statue has so many detailed pieces that what they've done is when they've put the art box in the, the brown shipper box that goes around it, they've actually used small L-shaped um, polystyrene pieces in each corner. So the box effectively is suspended, um, you know, inside this brown shipper box. So you've got about a good, oh, probably a good inch and a half on every side. So if the outer box does actually get hit or gets um, penetrated by another box or something, then the inner you know, art box is actually much more protected. So um, it probably does add to the shipping because of that size, um, the cubing rule, but uh, I'm certainly grateful for it. Uh, gigantic box uh, really is huge. It's right up there with sort of like the Batman premium format, so uh, another sucker that has to be stored. Um, getting into the, the split styrene tray, um, it's actually that... We've talked about the different grades of styrene that the different companies use, and the good thing is um, this is the, the grey styrene, which is a lot better than the white. Um, it's a lot tougher and harder, um, and so you don't get like little bits of white styrene everywhere, so um, that's quite nice. And I think because of the, I guess the fragility of this piece, um, they've decided to, to use this tougher stuff, which is quite good. Uh, first thing I did when I got the split trays open was look at the number of parts and go, holy crap, and I ran off and got my camera um, and took a few photos because um, you soon find out the hard way when you go to put these statues back in their box because you've got to move or something like that, that it can be really difficult um, to find which bit goes where and, and in particular how it goes in sometimes. You know, you end up looking at heads and going, I don't understand how it fits in that hole. So I took quite a few photos to make sure that uh, I, I know how it all goes back together. All right, so that's the uh, the packaging out of the way. It's collector-friendly, so that pretty much goes without saying, except for knowing what goes where. Um, in terms of the sculpt, um, this, was, um, this is usually a big thing for me when it comes to Conan. I've got a um, I've got a particular sort of style of Conan in mind, uh, and I, over the years I've had a number of, um, I don't know, there's, there's quite a few things we're going to talk about later in the discussion that as a Conan fan I can easily pass on because it's just not my representation of Conan, but the good thing is I, I took one look at this one and went, yep. Uh, I'm in for this one. That's exactly how Conan uh, feels to me. Uh, this was actually sculpted by Walter O'Neill, amongst others, uh, and I think they've done a fantastic job. Now, in terms of um, the uh, subtitle, The Rage of the Undying, um, the way this piece has been sculpted, Conan's in uh, the fury of battle, uh, and he's clearly fighting a whole bunch of undead um, dudes, uh, and there's a few of them littered around the base, which we'll talk about a bit later. Um, Conan's kind of uh, mid-rage, both arms up, you know, a weapon in each hand, and he's uh, he's really getting stuck into the fighting, so it's um, quite a dynamic piece in terms of the, um, the pose that they've actually chosen, but 
Um, we've seen that with quite a few of the Conan pieces uh, from Sideshow. So uh, I think this is probably the third Conan statue from Sideshow. But again, we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, something that's quite interesting is um, there's a number of different representations you can go with Conan in terms of clothing. Um, and they've decided to go with the, the bare-chested version, and he's wearing sort of a, um, a kilt slash um, skirt, and that's where the mixed media comes in. Uh, and it's uh, it's quite well done because he's got um, clothing underneath as well. This is just kind of like an, an outer piece of clothing. Um, one thing that's quite interesting I, I found quite quickly was a number of the pieces have actually been done separately. So Conan has um, a, a few pieces of armour and he's wearing um, greaves on his shins and I think these have actually been cast as completely separate pieces, um, painted up and then actually glued onto his shins. So it actually looks quite good because you don't get these really odd kind of seams where it's been cast um, and then they've tried to sort of paint it to look like there's a bit of a gap. So you can actually sort of you know, almost slip a bit of paper in between those. So it really sort of adds to the authentication, I think, sort of that authentic feel. Um, and I'll talk to, uh, about the paint in a minute. Um, so then Conan, you know, in, uh, I guess all up in the sculpt, you know, he looks fantastic. Um, you know, nice grimace on his face as he's swinging those weapons. Um, so, yeah, 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 Conan looks great, fantastic. Then I want to talk about the sculpt on the base, and the base is absolutely amazing. Um, photos don't really do it justice. They've really gone out of their way with this, and I think... I'm almost certain this is what has actually held up production. There's just um, so much detail in the base. Instead of just being a, um, you know, a, a disc like we see with a lot of the statues, where it's got nothing more than a, a, you know, a letter A for the Avengers and a foot, you know, peg that you stick to the statue in. Um, this one is really over the top. This is obviously some kind of um, you know temple or something like that that Conan is in and it's crumbling around him so there's bits and pieces falling off everywhere he's kind of standing on some flagstones um, and you know bits of rubble are, are sort of falling over there's a pillar that's falling over um, there's actually a couple of skulls but uh, in addition to that there's actually a fallen skeleton warrior behind him um, and he's got his sort of arm raised up with his sword in his hand um, this is actually a number of pieces. I was quite surprised when you first take the base out of the box, which is quite heavy. Um, the falling pillar is a separate piece that has to be carefully placed in. Um, the dead soldier or the dead skeleton is also a separate piece who has to be carefully placed on the base behind Conan. And then the um, skeleton's arm is a separate piece that has to be then placed in. So there's a lot happening. It's, uh, it's all very delicate. Um, but it really is, from a sculpting point of view, fantastic because even the level of detail in the soldier's armour is just uh, amazing. It's, it's really quite an impressive um, uh, impressive thing to achieve. So you take Conan out, who is quite heavy. So overall, this statue is very heavy. Um, I was quite amazed because it's one quarter scale. So Conan is uh, huge. It's 27 inches to the top of his hand. Um, and just comparing him to some of my other quarter scale statues, he's a big dude. We're, we're talking sort of, you know, I think Conan is 6'4 from memory. So, um, yeah, this piece is really um, quite huge. 
Okay, well, you take Conan out and then you place his um, foot peg into the hole in the base and everything is fine. <laughs> no, wait, 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 let's back up a little bit. This is me. This is me. And um, what would a sideshow <laughs> premium format statue be without a statue whose foot doesn't fit in the hole? Hooray! <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I just, uh, honestly, this is about my fifth sideshow statue where... That friggin' foot peg just won't go in the friggin' hole. <laughs> um, I just couldn't believe it. I, I just sat back and thought, I just... Uh. So, Conan's foot, his right foot, which he's, he's wearing kind of like a boot, leather boot, he has a, a square piece that sticks out from the bottom of that and then a, a brass foot peg sticks out from that. So, when you do get it in the hole, it really does lend itself um, to stability. However, mine just wouldn't go in... It, went in about one third of the way and then just stopped um, and I can just assume that, that what's happened is because the square that's under his foot is not quite the same shape as the hole in the base it just refused to go any further so I basically started off like I always do with just a little hobby file and uh, I give it a bit of a sand in a couple of places um, and then try it again sand it and try it again um, I cleaned out the hole, I cleaned the actual brass foot peg with some sandpaper to see, you know, make sure there was nothing sort of, you know, some um, paint in the hole or something like that. That didn't work. Um, I kept going, kept going, kept going, and then after about half an hour I actually had to get my Dremel onto it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so I sat down with my Dremel with a sanding disc on it and uh, I kept sanding a little bit and, of course, because it's resin, um, you know, that creates poisonous dust, so I'm sitting there with my face mask on. Um, sanding it, trying it, sanding it, trying it, and probably took me a good 45 minutes before that sucker finally um, went into the hole. Um, and it's quite tight, so I'm, I'm quite pleased that, you know, that stability is still there. So really quite disappointing that once again I had to do some post-production work to get this statue. I just It astonishes me with, you know, this so-called quality checking or quality assurance that there's a base in a box and then someone puts a statue in a box, but at no point does anyone stop and go, I might just see if the statue fits in the base. <laughs> like, really, how, how freaking hard is that? I, I just, I, I got to think at this point, Sideshow's just like, oh, this one's got a bung foot, won't go in the hole, send it to Ben. He's got the yeah. system down. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's got a Dremel. It's, that, that's a Ben addition. Look, I was... Um, you know, I was all ready to start ranting and raving until I had a bit of a hunt around on a couple of the forums and uh, a number of guys who were getting the um, the X version, like me, um, actually had broken bases. Um, if you actually look at the photo of the base, there's a piece of um, flagstone that sits at the front and um, that's actually put in there in, in sort of post-production. It's, um, it's pegged in and glued in and a lot of people had that broken off. Um, so I, I thought I was quite grateful in the scheme of things. So, so anyway, um, yep, you get Conan on, then you have to pop his head on, uh, and the head is fantastic. Um, I really love the sort of brutal look on his face. Um, great sculpting. The hair looks fantastic. That's exactly how I picture, you know, Conan. I mean, if you, uh, have read any of the Conan books, um, Howard always describes, you know, um, you know, blue eyed and, you know, black maned and all that sort of thing. Um, Conan comes with a few different weapons. Uh, in his left hand, he's actually holding a, a kopesh, 
um, which is a, a curved, it's actually an ancient Egyptian sword. It kind of predates the swords that, that we know of from the Middle Ages. It was one of the, the very first kind of sword designs. Um, yeah, it's kind of an odd choice of a weapon because it's, it's so distinctive, but then the soldiers on the base have a bit of an, an Egyptian theme sort of going on, so I guess um, that fits. Conan could have scooped it up off the off the ground or something like that. Um, quite nice in, in the sculpting, and, uh, you know, it looks exactly like a Kopesh. Um, his right hand is actually holding a mace, which is quite ornate. Um, and uh, I actually quite like the mace a lot. It's got a lot going on. It's quite well detailed. Uh, and for those of us that got the exclusive version, he's got a swap-out right hand, which has um, the Atlantean sword, um, which to me doesn't look like any of the Atlantean swords that I've seen. I don't even know why they refer to it as the Atlantean sword, but um, I guess, you know, there you go. Um, what I found quite quickly is that I wasn't quite a fan of the Atlantean sword. I thought it was the angle that made the blade look short, um, but actually it's not. The blade is actually quite short for, for this weapon, so it kind of looks like he's got an oversized dagger in his hand. Um, the other reason I decided to keep the mace hand um, as my display one is that Conan actually comes with an additional um, sword in a scabbard, and so he's got this leather scabbard that sort of hangs off of his belt on his side. And what's really nifty is um, the... I guess that the handle of the sword actually comes out of the scabbard and it's just got nothing more than a pin holding it in place. So if you display the Atlantean sword, you can actually pull the, um, the handle of the sword out of the scabbard and put it back in the box and it looks like he's drawn that sword. But if you actually display him with the mace, then you just leave the sword intact and it looks like he's just got another weapon at his disposal. So um, yeah, it looks quite good. It hangs freely around his waist as part of... Um, uh, as part of his sort of belt, he's got various bits and pieces and some ornate um, jewellery going on there. Um, the mixed media works really well. What's really awesome about Conan's um, skirt-type thingy kilt uh, is it actually has wire running around the edge of it, so you can actually pose it any way you like. So um, you can actually make it look like he's you know, leaping over uh, all these dead bodies and whatnot and have it sort of flapping in the breeze. Um, and if you're interested, Conan is actually wearing a, a loincloth thing underneath. Um, so I think the mixed media works really well. Now, I think what our, our friend Engineer Nerd will be very pleased about is um, the weathering that they've actually done on this. The kilt in particular around the lower edges is a little bit frayed, and they've added sort of a, a dust effect to it as well, and that's really evident on his boots um, as well. They've really given it a, a sort of a dirty feel. So, um, look, I think that sums up the sculpt. I think they've done a, a fantastic job. Like, this is easily Conan to me. Um, you know, Mrs. Shake walked past and went, oh, wow, Conan finally arrived. So she knew straight away who it was. Uh, so I guess, you know, moving on, um, the paintwork uh, is where this really shines, um, you know, as if the sculpt wasn't good enough. The weathering, and I'll start with the base on the flagstones, things like the skeleton heads, they've used multiple colours. They really have gone above and beyond. Um, a lot of the base has a bit of a, I'm not really sure what's going on here, but a, a bit of a turquoise highlight here and there, which I think has worked quite well. It gives it some sort of, um, I guess, you know, an aquatic feel, like maybe, you know, they're, uh, you know, down by the ocean or something like that. Who knows? 
Um, but just the, the weathering they've done with the, the various flagstones and things like that have worked really, really well. The dead skeleton, dead skeleton, does that work? Mm. <laughs> the, the, the dead, dead skeleton. Um, the washes they've used in his armour in particular look really amazing. Like the rotted teeth as well is quite nicely highlighted. Um, the one thing that did stand out for me were those greaves that I mentioned before. Um, they really look like they have been made... Um, of bronze, so you've got these bronze greaves, but the the turquoise colour that they've used to sort of highlight it here and there almost looks like it's um, started to rust. So you've got that kind of degraded feeling; it's all pitted and um, quite you know, battle damaged. Um, the actual skin tones are fantastic. Um, there's a there's an odd odd kind of white highlight that they've used over it that at first I didn't think I was going to like it. Um, you know, Conan is always described as being quite heavily tanned, so you know you kind of expect a darker skin tone. But I guess you know if he's outside and the sun is shining, you know they've really given that sort of highlighted effect on the, I guess any of the, the higher muscles like on the top of his um, deltoids and his biceps, etc. Um, one thing I do notice if I look really, really close at this statue is it almost looks like the face and the body have been painted by separate people at separate times. So um, some people have complained that their face is much, much darker than the rest of his body. Um, and it does look like that in a lot of the promo shots. But um, close inspection of mine, and it's actually not too bad at all. Oh, I don't have a real problem with it. Uh, in terms of slot, I was actually really, really impressed. Um Conan's got one of those gold bands around his right bicep, and um, you know this is where the quality of the painting will will tell you a lot because um, you often get gold slopped on the skin or vice versa. And while it isn't perfect, and, and you know I think it could certainly be improved upon for a, I guess well, I was going to say a mass-produced piece of two hundred. Um, I actually think they've done a really really good job. I, I was really quite impressed. Um, same can be said. Conan's wearing a necklace that looks like it's made of claws. Um, and the, the sort of the bone colour or whatever the, that they've used on the claws. Um, I think they've done the, the skin tone after and um, they haven't managed to get, you know, a lot of the skin tone on those claws. So overall, uh, I'm really quite impressed with the, the, the paint of this piece. Um, you know, this follows hot on the heels of Lobo and Batgirl, uh, both of which also have fantastic paint jobs. So I don't know whether a couple of people at Sideshow have sat down and had a bit of a chat to their suppliers to pick up their game. Um, if they have, it's definitely worked because um, this is one of the best pieces I've seen from them in, in ages. So really, really quite nice. I really, uh, in terms of paint, I actually can't fault it, to be honest. Um, I'm really quite thrilled at, at how well this came out. So, um, you know, in terms of paint, yep, great stuff. Articulation, well, zilch. Uh, there's obviously numerous pieces you have to be you have to put together. I think all up, there's probably about twelve or thirteen pieces to this statue, and that's uh, that's an awful lot. I thought Lobo had a um, a lot of pieces. Um, no real accessories other than that uh, swap out sword if you've got the exclusive version. Um, but but all up, pretty darn impressive piece. Um, probably had to wait a little bit longer than I would have hoped, but really is quite amazing. And um, in terms of a dolly rating, I, I think I'm going to have to do a first here, and I'm actually going to give him uh, two ratings. Uh, the first is, sorry, Justin, but I'm going to give him uh, a 10 out of 10 in terms of absolutely every aspect, like the, the, the design, like the... You know that that look, the battle look. Um, 
the paint is fantastic, sculpt is fantastic, the the you know I guess the the, the manufacture of the the costume is fantastic. It sits well. Everything about it is fantastic, uh, except for that foot peg. Um, you know, when you're paying this kind of money for a collectible like this, you shouldn't have to spend 45 minutes um, battling to, to get it together. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to take a full point off for that and, and say 9 out of $10. But if it hadn't have been for that foot peg, it would have been 10 out of 10 and definitely a front runner for um, Statue of the Year for me. Huh. So it's interesting that you've given it... Um a 10 out of 10 if it was perfect, because it sounds like there are numerous examples of it not being perfect. Like you've said, other people have had, you know, the um, bits and pieces of the base broken when they've got it arriving. Yeah, yeah, look, a few people have talked about broken weapons. Uh, a few people have obviously talked about the broken base. Um, one thing that's quite interesting is when you put the skeleton uh, who's on the base, when you put his arm in its socket and his... Um, the sword that he's holding sort of hangs down. Um, the tip of the sword is pretty much right at the um, ground level. So when you display the statue and you put this, you know, on a on your mantelpiece or something like that, then the tip of the blade is actually touching the mantelpiece with the base. And a couple of people have actually, a couple of guys have talked about how when they get that arm into the socket, um, it sits so far below the base that they actually can't display it for fear of actually breaking the either the tip of the sword or the joint in the shoulder yeah. um, because it puts too much pressure on it. So, look, I'm sure there's people out there who would be taking points off, um, you know, left and right for, for um, broken pieces and things that haven't worked. Um, but for me, other than that foot peg, foot peg uh, everything is flawless. Okay. So I think a couple of people talked about... He, oh, I actually forgot to mention he's actually got a dagger as well that um, uh, sits in his sort of lower back. Um, you can't pull it out of the scabbard. But a couple of people have talked about how the dagger was bent. Yeah. Um, mine, again, is perfect. So, look, other than that foot peg, everything about mine came through, um, you know, as, as well as I could hope. Okay. So there's even assembly instructions for those people who don't know what they're doing, so Sideshow do actually produce those um, that you can refer to if you don't know what you're doing. So. This is what's meant to be happening. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Before we have to so eat Dremel. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Go to Bunnings, um, buy a Dremel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> or numerous hobby files and a couple of spare hours. Yeah, um, yeah look, this is great. I, I always imagine Conan as being a bit of an older guy. I know um, you know, when you read the original stories, his age varies quite a bit, but I kind of like the, the battle-hardened veteran, um, and, and this piece captures that perfectly as far as I'm concerned. So, good stuff. Excellent. All right. Well, that wraps up our Toy of the Week, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the new items that we've added to our collection this week. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure! I'm Bill S. Preston Esquire! And I'm Ted Theodore Logan in concert! And I make them play! Speaker connects to figures and most cassette players to make figures play music! Now on drums, that bodacious barbarian Genghis Khan! Yeah, our new pal from old China! Excellent! Let's rock and roll! Squeezing their legs gets them jamming! Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure! Party on, dudes! We're all here because we collect, and Feeding the Addiction is where we take the time to check in with each other and discuss any new acquisitions or pre-orders that we've made. And, Eddie, what you got? Uh, once again, I haven't gotten 
too much in this week. I uh, took my father out shopping uh, earlier this week and when we were out and about, I stopped in at a Toy World and I found a Fast and the Furious Hot Wheel uh, of Dom's Dodge Charger, uh, which is the main uh, car from the series and that was only a couple of bucks and uh, I knew it was getting close to record time and I didn't want to have nothing uh, for two weeks in a row. Uh, so that was a bit of an impulse purchase just so That's that I could mention something. Really? Yep. Uh, so I didn't feel too guilty. Uh, and then similarly again today I picked up, uh, they don't really have a name for it, but it's a little super deformed transformer uh, figure. It's just a little PVC plastic guy. I got an Ultra Magnus who... Uh, I had every one of the Generation 1 Transformers I have displayed on a shelf here of these things, and I brought an Ultra Magnus around the time that I was moving, and I since have not been able to find him, uh, and he was on clearance at a store for a couple of bucks, so I just thought, you know, it's worth spending $2 rather than dig through boxes and boxes, which I'm sure now that I've replaced him, he'll be right at the top of the next one I looked in. Um but I actually had a bit of a fun day walking around. I found a bunch of things of lines and that that I didn't collect. So I noticed the uh, Simpsons Quickie Mart has uh, hit Australian shores and turning up there. Uh, the Lego one, I should say, uh, for those collectors. Uh, keep your eye out there. And uh, some different Transformer things starting to hit a bit more around. There was the uh, new Legends wave was in with Groove and Rodimus and Warpath. So a few things turning up, but nothing uh, that I was going to grab, which often seems the way you see fantastic things and you're like, oh, if only I collected that line. But, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, indeed. Very good. All right. Adam, what about you? Uh, I have purchased nothing, but I have pre-ordered my Toy Nami Ultimate Transforming DX Voltron. Well, there's other words that go with it as well. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> So you, uh, you'll be able to review that eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Cool. Start practicing now, Scott. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, I also got my uh, Marvel Legends Ant-Man Ultron Build-A-Figure Wave yeah. from the fantastic Mike S. And uh, I assume when uh, a couple of other people on the podcast get theirs, we'll probably end up talking about them. Cool. Yeah, and no, mine should be here any day now. Uh, turning up, and I just got word from Mike S. Actually, I should say that uh, my Hulk Buster Wave, uh, he's just gotten in, and the Spidey Wave, he should be getting the start of this next week. So, uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get a few Marvel Le- Legends discussions out there. Man, we're getting some serious Marvel Legends love. Like between these three waves, plus the um, the San Diego box set, plus the the Black Ant, plus the uh, Entertainment Earth Guardians of the Galaxy set. Yeah, it's, it's Marvel Legends love is a lot like my love life at the moment. There'll be nothing for months, and then I get bombarded for a couple of chances, and sometimes it costs me a lot of money. <laughs> oh, there's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Uh, all right. Very good. Well, before this gets uh, too out of hand, um, if no one else has any other items to report, we'll be right back with our discussion topic of the week. What a jump! Evil's riding the amazing strike cycle. That gyro power sends him over 100 feet at top speed. Loopsy loop! And he's not through yet! Into the dragster! Evil's super sprint car with built-in drag shoot to slow him down! What a hook! And now! The Sky Cycle, that 
daredevil death-defying supersonic sky plane on wheels. And here he is on the super cool chopper bike with the power that can really rip. He's sensational. He's evil Knievel. He's a knockout. He's ideal. Well, in our discussion topic tonight, we're doing a toy history of Conan, or Conan the Barbarian. And uh, who was to know that when author Robert E. Howard was punching out a series of short stories for um, some pretty cheesy pulp magazines back in the early 30s, that uh, within those tales he would go on to create and define what we now know as the genre of sword and sorcery. Um, Conan has been around a a long time, uh, over 80 years, and uh, I'm uh, quite a fan uh, of Conan. Um, I don't know about you guys, but my first introduction to Conan was via the Marvel Comics, um, way, way back in the late 70s, uh, in particular when John Buscema was uh, was drawing them. Um, What about you, Adam? Mine would have been with the novels themselves. Um, which was either because my dad or my brother was reading at the time, so I would have just picked them up and started reading them as well. And at that stage, I would have been probably 10. So definitely appropriate material for a 10-year-old. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what about you, Eddie? I uh, remember waking up early one morning, and it was a school day, and it was before Agro's Cartoon Connection started, if you remember that show. And it turns out there, were, there was a cartoon on before it, so it wasn't even part of the official uh, Channel 7 cartoon lineup. And it was this Conan the Adventurer. And it, it seemed kind of cool. He was fighting these snake men and that. And then uh, I, it was one of the last episodes because I never caught it again. And a couple of weeks later, I got excited because I saw a TV ad and it turned out, based on this cartoon, they had made a movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it was <laughs> premiering on TV. And I was a very excited little uh, eight-year-old. I convinced my parents to let me get uh, my doona out and sleep on the couch that night because it was a Friday and watch the film. And uh, I don't think my parents realised that, you know, it's, it's uh, maybe not... Uh, a age-appropriate film for young one. My parents were pretty lenient in what I was allowed to watch, but uh, <laughs> I remember it being uh, quite different from the cartoon uh, that I'd seen a few weeks earlier uh, and then through the comics and all that. Yeah, well, speaking of the cartoon, uh, for many years I actually had all the episodes on VHS because um, I knew it was coming on and I recorded each and every episode on VHS, and each and every episode, I would sit there and go, "Why? Why am I doing this?" Because um, <laughs> you're but stupid uh, to, to, to say it was bad's an understatement. But um, like you, Adam, I I got into the comics quite young, um, and that was probably the very late seventies, around nineteen eighty, um, and I then saw the movie. Yeah. Um, my mum took me to see it, and I think she was oblivious of the fact of what it was about. I just told her it was based on Conan, so um, I was a wee lad of uh, about 10 when she took me along to see Conan the Barbarian in the cinema, and it was probably only about um, probably about six months later I was on holidays with the family visiting other family, and uh, they lived in a, a coastal town here in Australia, and my mum took me into the little town because they, they lived sort of a bit out of the way, and 
we went into the little town and they had like a single news agent and I was perusing um, books uh, up the back of the shop and uh, suddenly this thing just jumped out at me and I'll never forget the first time I saw a um, Frank Frazetta Conan painting on the cover of this book and I thought, wow, Conan has a book? And, you know, I flicked through it and there were no pictures and I thought, well, this is interesting mm. and uh, my mum bought it for me. And, uh, yeah, pretty much the, I think the rest is history. I remember reading it um, pretty much, you know, in a, in a couple of sittings. I was just fascinated uh, and I had to have more. And a few days later we went back into town and, strangely, they had another one. <laughs> so I picked that up and I think to this day I've, um, I think I've got pretty much all the Conan books from each of the era. So I've got the, the Sphere ones from the, the 80s, the Lancers. Um, I just remember going around to second-hand bookshops and I used to buy every version of every one of the books um, okay. that I could find. So, And that pretty much started things off. And I, once I got a bit older and could start to, to afford back issues of the comics, I went after those as well. And to this day, I'm still reading the Dark Horse Conan comics, which I'm quite enjoying. So, um, yeah, I guess you'd think with uh, a property like Conan where, you know, he, he was the introduction of sword and sorcery to the world... Um, and he's been around for 80 years, you'd think that um, there would be quite a, a long history of toys and the like. And, uh, boy, we poor old Conan's got the short end of the stick when it comes to toy love. In fact, um, toy manufacturers have really dropped the, dropped the ball in terms of Conan. It's, um, it's the higher-end guys who have actually done him some justice. Um, one of the things uh, as part of this toy history that we decided to do was um, skip the movie-related stuff um, and just stick to, you know, just the Conan, I guess. And, uh, yeah, what a surprise. Uh, his first introduction to toys was 1975 when he got his own Mego. And, gee, doesn't he just fit in well with the rest of the Migos? Um, I think, the, you know, this was a time where... They obviously had access to all the Marvel uh, licensed properties as, as well as their own and decided to do a, uh, a Conan Mego, which, I don't know, I, I think it actually worked pretty well for, for the time. Um, not so sure about the hairstyle that poor Conan had. He's about ten years ahead of his time as far as hair. <laughs> Isn't he? <laughs> uh, he looked like he could be a, line, a member of the Supremes or something like that with that hairdo. Um but look, I, I think it didn't work too bad in terms of, of Mega. I mean, uh, he's got proper boots on, so he doesn't have you know any kind of uh, oven mitt thing happening. He's got his furry loincloth, came with a couple of weapons that were quite well done. Um, he's got a, a suitable uh, grimace on, on his face, and I think really the only thing that lets his figure down is the really odd hairstyle. Mm. I, and I think that's going to be a running theme uh, through tonight is if they can get the hair... Uh, the rest tends to fall in place fairly all right. Yeah, yeah. I really like the um, the boxed version of uh, of this Conan figure. It's something I don't have. Every now and then I, I get a bit of a um, nostalgic streak and have a bit of a look around on eBay and then see the, the silly prices that he goes for and, and I move along again. But um, I do like the boxed version of this with a really nice control art on the, uh, on the box. So there is some carded versions as well. It looks like they've got the hair better on the carded version. Yeah, um, uh, fractionally, debatable. Yeah, marginally. So, um, so yeah. So I think that would have been an interesting one for kids. This was um, well before my time of collecting. I think I was getting Star Wars figures uh, about this time, and uh, I never remember seeing this 
this guy in the stores. Otherwise, I probably would have nagged my mother to, to get him. So um, that was uh, the mid-70s, and um, it would be another decade before Conan got uh, a look in, and oh boy, yeah. Um, yeah, Remco, Remco. Remco decided to have a bit of a go, and uh, oh, it's hard to even talk about. Hey, hey Eddie, why don't you, you tell us about this fantastic one? Yeah, they, these ones actually have a bit of an interesting place in uh, toy history. So the Remco Conan figures, they did two. There was uh, Conan the Warrior and Conan the King, which is him with a crown he got from Burger King, by the looks like, on his head. Uh, so Remco were they, – they were sort of the – this little uh, company that would try and replicate uh, what the big companies uh, were doing. You know, you had GoBots for the Transformers and Core uh, for G.I. Joe. Remco were kind of that for the Masters of the Universe line. And they had a lot of lines uh, where they were basically using the Masters of the Universe style buck. So they had a Warlord from DC. They had a... uh, galaxy warriors and uh sun warrior and that and they use pretty much the exact same designs here for their conan figures and what's weird is that mattel tried to sue remco uh because they were copying very much similar designs of their action figure bucks uh mattel actually lost that lawsuit uh because you can't copyright a muscular body and (laughs) Where this comes into play with Conan is years later, the Conan estate tried to sue Mattel for the barbarian angle of uh, Master of the Universe and say that they'd made money off uh, their um, idea for years and years. And Mattel, through precedence of this Remco lawsuit, managed to win, uh, showing that uh, the Howard estate that you can't copyright a muscular body and manage to turn it around. So it actually ended up in their favour that they lost this case against uh, Remco. But uh, yeah, so but interestingly, yeah, Remco were producing Conan figures uh, that later went against the Conan brand uh, in their later lawsuits. Huh. That, these figures are so bad that if somebody gave them to me, I, I don't know what I'd even consider keeping. Yeah, I'd, I mean, okay, for the nostalgic streak, maybe. Man, if if someone showed them to you too and said which character is this, you'd think maybe Hercules more than Conan before. Yeah, any. yeah. I I don't think they've. Uh, you have to wonder just how much of this is actually stolen from something else because they haven't even tried particularly hard. Like Conan the Warrior just looks like He Man. Yeah. Um. You know, down from you know one of the main things that that Howard talks about. You know, when he describes Conan, um, you know, is his black mane. Uh, of hair, and you know, even on the card, he has black hair. Yet they've got this weird brown-haired guy. Um, <laughs> it does look like Hercules. You, you know, you know what it is. It's oh, like they've gone. Oh, we um, we need to make a Conan figure. Uh, you know, there's a movie out that was quite popular with the kids with that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger fella guy. Uh, we should say do him but as a company we're too cheap to buy a ticket to the movie to see let's just yeah. rent what was that hercules unchained in new york all right just base it on that and we'll chuck that up there we go let's take lunch it's it's back to greg hildebrand painting a star wars poster without having ever seen mark hamill <laughs> so look these are bad um even the the conan the um conan the king is horrendous because um 
he's, he's even got the the He Man kind of um, what do you call that thing around his torso. So the the strings uh, yeah. and everything. The harness. Like that. The harness. Thank you. <laughs> it looks yeah, the bad and, Burger King and it, crown. It, it does look like cosplay Conan. He's just you know yeah. taped a dinner plate to his chest with duct tape and got the Burger King crown. Very bad brown hair. And he has his serving platter for a shield. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned before the um, the Howard estate, you know, who have the, the rights to Conan. And, uh, I mean, that's a personal bugbear of mine because um, when Howard uh, took his own life, the, the rights to all his stuff fell to his father. Um, when his father died, he left them to a friend. When that friend died, he left them to someone else. And, you know, it's, it's this weird long chain of individuals that, you know, that were left... The, these fantastic, um, you know, properties uh, who probably have no real attachment to Howard or, or Conan and have basically just lucked into them, mm. um, which I find to be infuriating. But, um, you know, such is uh, the way things go. But um, let's move on from Remco and, hey, that, that cartoon you talked about. Yeah. Conan the Adventurer. Ah, oh, dear. Hey, Adam, did you have any of these? No. Um <laughs> I doubt I was really even interested in owning one of them, but, you know, uh, I don't know if I would have, uh, maybe I would have seen one on the store. So it starts with Conan, just base Conan, and that one is actually not shit. I, I have this figure. Yeah. Um, he, he's got black hair. He looks like he might have blue eyes. I can't really tell. Um, he's wearing fairy trousers or fairy underpants, which, okay, fine. Um, they kind of creep onto the top of his hips, so it's not just a, a, a fairy brown teepees. Uh, he seems to have some level of articulation, and he's wearing red boots, which, okay, fine. He comes with a sword and an axe and that annoying phoenix character. <laughs> yes. That was all about pomegranates or some shit from memory. <laughs> Yeah, look, I have this figure. It's the only one I have from the line. And, and the reason I picked this one up is because um, it was just the most basic-looking Conan because, um, yeah, the rest of the figures in this line are pretty average, to say the least. Yeah. Um, they really start to fall apart <laughs> quite quickly. It even seems like the quality of articulation drops after this. So you get um, Explorer Conan or, as I would like to think of it, Viking Conan. Yep. Um, which actually it's like gay pirate Viking Conan. Like if, <laughs> if he decides to become a Viking and join the village people, maybe. And Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, then there's Robin Hood, Prince of Ninjas Conan. <laughs> <laughs> My God, this figure is an abomination. I don't, I don't know at what point he would have become a ninja. Well, I, I, he was always portrayed as occasionally being a, a thief. Yes. But a ninja, I think we were, um, you know, given that it was um, in, in an age between, you know, the sinking of Atlantis and the dawn of recorded history, I don't know that there were a lot of ninjas back then. I think he made it as far as, like, India and stuff, maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I think Crom was quietly weird yeah. um, when this figure came out. Uh, <laughs> Conan the Warrior. <laughs> All of these are by way of the village people. Like, honestly. Like, so, all right, look, he's wearing a helmet. Okay, fine. It's, the burnt-down village people. Yeah, it's, it's um, an, an interesting helmet that he's got going. He's got a big um, two-handed or handed – no, nah, that'd probably be a two-handed sword, not a hand and a half. He's got his um, – what's that thing? A Koresh or 
Kapesh, sorry. I don't know what that is. It looks like a walking stick. Um, Surely that's meant to be some kind of Scythe bloody thing. It's got to be stolen from an yeah. action figure line. I don't know what it is. It looks like some sort of weird club. Yeah. He's got a, a silver breastplate that looks like it might actually just be a, um, a mesh tank top. Um, it seems to have, like, there might be a cape on that behind it. And then he's got silver pants. Uh, not silver pants, sorry, purple pants that go all the way down to his boots. And um, PS's breastplate goes into his underpants, which are also silver, so maybe some kind of chastity belt. But, um, yeah, another good look. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. The um, Conan the Explorer one was actually one that I had as a kid. Uh, and this was one that I didn't go out and purchase myself. Uh, I, I particularly remember these because the card backs they were on actually felt quite cheap. Um, they, yeah. they, they felt like a one that you'd pick up in a Rejek store. And the Conan the Explorer yeah. was uh, one that I got in a show bag. Uh, so there oh, must have been leftover ones in stocks for him to fill up uh, the show bags. <laughs> and I got a lot of entertainment out of this one with my friends uh, because he had an action figure feature, sorry, that you pull a string and he would have a slashing action. And uh, I think this figure is quite infamous with a lot of people for the uh, masturbation style movement of his arm <laughs> with the, uh, how quickly the drawstring would have him slashing. And I know there's a lot of action figures that have, uh, been, uh, made fun of for these features, but I think this one was the worst by far by having it be a drawstring and just constant action. I think, um, these are the kind of figures. This was, um, 1992. Yes. Of, uh, the adventurer animated once came out and um, these are the figures that you can still occasionally find in that tub in the corner of your dentist's waiting room <laughs> you know like those those donated toys and stuff like that that get dumped in there for kids to amuse themselves with you know while you're waiting and um, I was with my daughter at the dentist during the week uh, and she got into the tub of toys that they had there <laughs> she brought out half a dozen street sharks <laughs> oh, wow. playing with them. so yeah so that sort of stuff does still uh lurk around yeah all right well uh, so hasbro had a bit of a go and um yeah anyway um it was quite a dry period from then on so from 92 um our next installment wasn't until 2007 when um some really cool guys uh, at toy uh, toy biz um were doing some good stuff with marvel legends and um after they lost the rights to do marvel they brought out some um Actually, was this still part of the? Uh, this, this part of the legendary. Yeah, this this was that weird period where you're right. They'd lost the license for Marvel figures, but Toy Biz was still owned by Marvel. So these are actually independent comic book uh, character figures that were made by Marvel because mm. Marvel couldn't make Marvel figures anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that they're, they're pretty much independent Marvel legends. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they did a couple of two packs and one of them was the Conan and Raal, the Devourer, which is interesting because the Devourer comes straight out of the, um, the Marvel comic books. He was, um, one of the, the, um, protagonists for Conan for quite a, a long run during Roy Thomas's time. Um, I actually love this figure. I've got, um, two of these. I've got a loose set and I've still got a um, mint on card set and I actually think in terms of a Conan action figure, you know, you're really not going to get much 
better than this, particularly for 2007. Um, you know, this is Conan as I imagine him. He's probably a little underdressed for me with just a, a bit of a loincloth and a quite an ornate belt. But, um, you know, he's got the, the black mane of hair. He's, um, you know, ripped to, um, to shit and he comes with a couple of big-ass weapons. Um, I think they, they did a pretty darn good job for the time. Huh? So this is actually one of my favourite two-packs. I really did love it. But it came out at a time where I was a very poor uni student and I think it was retailing for around sixty dollars uh, here, and yeah, it was a, a bit bit much for someone who was basically living on seventy dollars a week <laughs> at the time. It was a large chunk of the income, but I really wanted it, and I was doing a arts performance uh, course at the time, and we we're getting up to a big practica, a big final performance piece that we had to write, produce. Uh, edits, uh, perform in, uh, and display at the end of the year. And we got given a $500 budget, uh, for our shows. Um, but we still needed to <laughs> provide receipts and all that for, um, any expenditure that we spent on it. Uh, so what I actually did, I wrote a scene in which a character has Conan action figures <laughs> and, and tell, tell, tells the story um, of Conan talking about how Valhalla is stupid because uh, no one would wish to die if you get to go to Valhalla from uh, the Frost Giant's Daughter um, arc from Dark Horse and put that in there just so I could buy these figures <laughs> and hand in the receipt and have uh, the university pay for them. Uh, and then you caught a chopper from um, Melbourne down to Geelong. Yeah, that was right. <laughs> and um, yeah, my uh, head of course, Bronwyn Bishop. She she just signed off, and she seemed quite pleased uh, with my hands. <laughs> so quite well. Good stuff. Good the stuff. American listeners won't understand that joke at all. Uh, Google, Google. Very good. Um, yes, yeah, so that's that's quite the favourite of mine and, and still is. Um, we then skip ahead to McFarlane Toys, who had a bit of a go um, with Conan and uh, got some quite stylized figures. Uh, each of the they only did two series, and we got a couple of Conans in each series, but also um, a few other bits and pieces. Um, they took a little bit of license, I think, with some of their other characters in the line. Um, but look, I think for the most part, if we you know look at this look at these guys in their entirety. Um, one of the first Conans they did I thought was quite good with his horned helmet. Um, I've got that figure uh, and, and quite like it. I don't think any of these quite nailed it for me. Um, they're the um, I think it's the Conan the Warrior where he's sort of swinging the axe was a, a really good f- figure in terms of sort of the capturing the look and feel of Conan, but um, he was actually sculpted to be sort of leaping through the air. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't pose him leaping through the air, he just looks awkward. Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I quite enjoy all these figures, but I don't think any of them really kind of nailed how I perceive Conan. I, I actually like the uh, King Conan of the Aquilian, the deluxe one, where he's sitting looking oh. almost quite bored on the throne. Yeah, King Conan of Aquilonia. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, um, I, I guess, inspired by the last scene in um, Conan the Barbarian where you see Arnie sitting on the, the throne. Yes, I have this one as well, and, and I do really like that because... Um, Conan sort of took the, the throne of Aquilonia by force um, and then got very, very bored um, yeah. being a king. So, um, yeah, this is a, definitely a staction. There's, there's not a lot happening with this guy. Mine's kind of still mint in box because I didn't see any point in 
to mm. you out. So, um, not bad. Um, so, yeah, McFarlane had a bit of a go there. And then it was very quiet until 2014 when um, Figures Toy Company did their Retro Conan, which um, if you haven't got the original Mego figure and um, don't want to pay silly amounts for it, you can um, pick one up for about 30 US dollars and it captures um, quite the look and feel of the original. And yeah, and like... I, I quite like this because I did the other... Um... Uh, characters from I'm blanking on uh, the poor fellow's name. Vincent D'Onofrio played him. They did um, Solomon Kane and Cole. Cole, yeah. Um, so it, as the three of those in box, I think they look quite good um, together having uh, his three uh, most popular characters there set up. Yeah, yeah, it did quite well. But um, that's pretty much it. Um, unless mm. we look into the, the movie figures. Um, that, that Necker and that have done, but um, you know, just based on the actual, um, I guess, pulp stories, that's yeah. where things stop. But so the uh, Necker figures, that's a story for another time. It is, it is, because uh, when we started putting this toy history together, we certainly were considering doing um, stuff based on the movies until um, we started looking at statues and busts and, and realised that um, those companies have actually been quite generous, mm. um, unlike uh, the toy companies. And uh, quite a few people in recent years have been producing stuff based on um, the Howard Conan stuff. And um, Sideshow Collectibles have had uh, quite a few goes at this. There is, of course, the uh, Rage of the Undying that I reviewed earlier, which is their latest version. Um, but the first one they actually did was some time ago, and it was um, it was Conan the Prize, and a uh, beautiful statue. Um, it's Conan, and he's obviously escaping from somewhere, and I don't know whether the prize they're referring to is the um, scantily clad young lady um, sitting on his shoulder that he's rushing out the door with, and he's got a, an axe in hand. There was an exclusive version of that with a swap-out weapon. Um, I've seen this piece in person, and it's uh, it's fantastic. It's actually quite large because it's quarter-scale. Um, I had the opportunity to buy this, and I didn't, and I've since um, regretted it because it's gone up um, quite significantly since then. Um, beautiful statue, this one. So, quite like and it. And is this based on the Conan video game? Just looking at the title text <laughs> design. Yeah, it does kind of feel a bit like that. Um, I couldn't say for certain, but it's certainly a really nice piece. Um, our next piece is one that I can remember us, um, I think, Adam, this was back in the day. Yes. I can remember yep. talking about the solicitation for this one, and um, somebody said, you know, as a Conan fan, was I going to get it? And I said no. Um, and my opinion still stands on this piece, and um, it's not quarter scale. It's more of a um, comicette sized, so Conan's a bit smaller than quarter scale. And it is a huge piece because it's Conan fighting a grade eight. Um, and the, my opinion still stands, and that is I'm not going to pay all that money for a statue of Conan where I can't even see him. Yep. So, <laughs> But if you're an ape collector, you get a free Conan. Well, that's yeah. true. That's true. Look, I think this is one of those statues where you need one of those little motorised display bases where it just sits there rotating all day. So <laughs> that, um, you can see it from all angles. It's certainly a beautiful piece. Um, no disrespect to whoever sculpted it, etc. It's um, It's very impressive. Um, I just think it's a bit wasted where you've got, you know, I would have rather Conan sort of leaping up to meet the ape from the front because um, you can't even see the ape's face either because um, he's looking up as Conan grabs him from behind. So, but it's uh, there. And 
Did this have a white ape variant? It was did, there? Yes, yeah. it did indeed. Yeah. Yes, so um, so that's Sideshow. Um, yeah, they've produced three pieces. And then there's the guys from ARH Studios, uh, a very, very small team who are producing my Death Dealer statue as we speak. Come on, guys, I'm waiting patiently. Um, and their first piece was one called The Barbarian, <laughs> which comes up quite a bit. So, yeah. I don't know. What are, you, what are you feeling on this one, Eddie? Uh, I'm so just loading the picture here now. <laughs> sorry. My one is there. Ah, yes. Sorry. This one. This one's a weird one. This one reminds me. Uh, I'm sure it's the spike in the back because I'm just, I don't have this one in person. It's a picture. It reminds me of uh, Angry Anderson's character out of uh, Mad Max. Yeah, Thunderdome. How he's got that little doll head thing in the back those skulls just come across prominent that i almost miss conan but uh he's a little on the thin side for conan for me he's he's ripped but he's uh looking at it it doesn't scream conan at me uh, to me almost feels like he would be in his you know early 20s or something like that this is a a youthful conan who's kind of headed out to see the world um, has yet to undergo uh, undertake all those sort of fantastic adventures with um elite etc as, as Amra the Lion. Um, so, look, I think if you're a Conan completist, this would be on your list. But um, I think it also suffers from that thing that Scott talks about quite a bit where, you know, the, he's looking down, so you would actually have to put him up quite high in your display. Otherwise, you'd just be kind of looking at this black head of hair. Uh, yeah. But certainly the sculpt is fantastic, and uh, I know the guys at ARH are, are very dedicated and, um, you know, they'll probably be producing more and more Conan statues into the future. Now, because I'm assuming, because this is just called The Barbarian. I think it is. Isn't it? Did they use Conan in the titles, or is this a loophole with the Frazetta license that they did? No, and that's you bring that up. um, That's an interesting point, that there are a number of people producing pieces that are um, based on Frazetta's artwork. Um, But, and this is where the loophole is, that, the, the artwork that he produced features a barbarian that was actually done for Conan book covers, but because um, it's not a Conan painting per se, um, that loophole allows you to actually, you know, if you get permission from the Frazetta um, family, you can actually produce statues based on it without having to actually admit that it's Conan and get permission from the, the Howard estate. So, um, yes, that's, that's quite an interesting little twist in how things are going there. So, But um, I, I do believe they actually had permission to, to actually say Conan's. Okay. Yeah. The next one from um, ARH is quite interesting, and this is just sort of goes to show that ARH are trying to think a little outside um, the box when it comes to um, their statues. And they did one called Conan um, the Sacrifice, and it features Conan pretty much as uh, I imagine him, um, He's got his big axe in hand and he's uh, fighting nothing in particular. And that's because um, this piece uh, comes in two versions. There's uh, a regular and a deluxe. And you can buy Conan, this is a quarter-scale statue, uh, hefting an axe, um, and that's all well and good. But you can actually get a second statue that can be placed with um, the the Conan statue, and that is of a gigantic snake and a chained-up slave girl. Um, and a uh, pretty costly piece, and then the Conan statue actually um, sits in the middle of this giant snake, uh, and you can make quite the um, quite sort of the, the diorama. 
the two characters and the giant snake sort of coiled around and it's a very very dynamic piece i think this is a fantastic one and i've seen photos of this in people's collections and because it's quarter scale it's gigantic like it is really <laughs> a massive massive piece so but um i haven't picked this one up because it's uh, horrendously expensive i think you you know between both pieces you're looking at about 800 bucks 900 bucks us so but uh, very impressive, really. Uh, I'd love to have this in my collection, but uh, not at that price. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, from AR, ARH Studios, we move on to a group that I'm actually not that familiar with called uh, Quarantine Studios, uh, and they have actually brought out a couple of licensed ones. And, um, Adam, what do you think of Conan the Brutal? Uh, he looks a bit too beefcake for mine. <laughs> beefcake. <laughs> Like it, it's just um, it's that period where people don't learn to draw legs and bodies in realistic proportions or the person that they're drawing has just gone out and just abused their body with steroids. <laughs> He's rather massive, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, they've done a great job in terms of... Um, you know, adorning him in a you know horn helmet. He's got his big axe and shield, etc. Um, again, it's that classic kind of look that we get with Conan, where he's got the bare chest, but also has the the leather skirting and the big leather boots. Um, so I think that's all quite accurate. Uh, Quarantine actually produce um, usually produce a couple of variations of their statues, so you can actually get this one in a bronze version as well, if that's your thing. So not not too bad. And um, Quarantine also did another one that is just called um, Conan the Barbarian. Seems to be a uh, common thread here. And, um, yeah, what do you think of this one, Eddie? Uh, yeah, I like this one. I, I like his very basic base that he's on. It's like he's standing on a volcano cliff or side. It's that very sort of classic, almost Roman-esque sword. Um, it's just that very classic Conan. Yeah. Um, all around sort of bare-chested but with a bit of an ornate necklace, um, fairy shorts, fairy boots, just, yeah. yeah. Very, very much that when you think of Conan the Barbarian, this is what you kind of comes to most people's mind. Yeah. Oh, I think what I really liked about this one when it was solicited is the sculptor, who um, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, ha- has really gone for a fun element where it almost looks like... Um, you know, you mentioned the volcano. It looks like there's quite a bit going on, and so Conan's hair's blowing to one side, but then so is the fur in his, um, you know, his furry undies, um, and even the the necklace um, around his neck are all sort of blowing to one side, which I think is just a, a nice little attention to detail that you sometimes don't get in some of these dynamic statue, you know, action mm. type yep. statues. But also, um, you know, some really impressive musculature in, um, you know, the striations in the chest muscle, but also, like, the veins in his forearms and stuff, I, I think are really quite impressive. Um, this was one that I also passed on, and um, not that long ago, I thought I might look that up again, and it now goes for stupendous amounts on eBay, so it's, you know, another kick up the arse for pre-order buttons. <laughs> yeah. so. There's, uh, in the world of collecting, there's no such thing as buyer's regret, only <laughs> didn't buy it regret. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, Clayburn Moore uh, from CS Moore Studios has uh, also done a few Conan pieces, which are, um, I guess, more heavily influenced by um, Frazetta's work, um, which is quite nice. It's it's always nice to see someone if you're going to uh, you know do a Conan statue, then 
you might as well pick on um, the master and uh, Conan the Conqueror is um, based blatantly on the Conan the Conqueror Frazetta um, painting and um, look I think Moore has captured it perfectly um, I think every detail of the painting is there uh, this is my least favourite of the uh, Frazetta Conan paintings of which he did about a dozen um, simply because that horse just freaks me out <laughs> so this I um, do like that it's a dark horse oh well yes yeah, yeah, I saw what you did there <laughs> Um, this is obviously that the horse is sort of leaping um, into battle and, and Conan has the, the um, his sword and, and shield sort of up in the air um, as he leaps into battle. But um, I don't know, I think, no, I don't know that it's actually translated to, to 3D um, that well. Uh, I think the horse looks quite sort of weird um, in this in particular. They've had to um, work out how to get that horse to, to stand on the base and so they've gone with this kind of you know, wispy smoke thing coming up from the base and sticking into the belly of the horse. And, uh, yeah, it kind of, I don't know, it looks odd. It almost looks like the horse is being carried along by some kind of, um, I don't know, supernatural entity or something. Mm, yeah. Um, certainly a, a beautiful piece. Like, uh, you know, the way it's finished in uh, in terms of the paintwork and everything is sensational. I think Moore does do um, fantastic pieces. But, yeah, for 340 which is what it came out, which what it was out for at the time, just, um, yeah, um, not quite feeling it. So, moving on next is probably um, one of the most famous um, Conan statues, uh, sorry, Conan um, paintings by Frazetta. Or this one was just called The Barbarian, but it was definitely used as a um, Conan book cover. And it's just Conan sort of standing with his sword um, in the ground in front of him in sort of the, the mud um, with a slave girl uh, looking rather sort of seductive holding onto his leg. Um, you know, it's been imitated many times since then. Um, what's interesting is that um, this is quite a small statue and ARH Studios is actually doing this as we speak in one-quarter scale. So, um, so yeah, this was included because, um, you know, it's Frank Rosetta's Barbarian, but it's um, it's pretty blatant that it's Conan. So um, I love this. I love the creepy base and, you know, the way the arm's sticking out of it, etc. Um, this is Conan t- to me as a... Uh, definitely a veteran. You kind of get the impression that he's um, seen quite a few battles in his time. Yeah, I've always just loved that. So. Is the colouring on Conan in this one meant to be more, are they going for a bronze or is this like the Frazetta more dark skin paint? Because that's the one thing that's not jiving with me on this. It's just he's almost got like an algae green yeah. colour to him. The original painting has um, obviously has a lot more background in it as well, um, and so it's kind of post-battle. Um, you know, it's Conan standing there. Um, the the original painting is actually quite dark. When ARH um, showed some you know, some sort of images of their prototype, um, it was the first thing that people said is that you've actually gone too dark, and so Arahom um, from ARH went back and, and touched it up with slightly lighter flesh tones that I think work um, quite well. So, so yeah, it's kind of hard when you're adapting a 2D piece into a 3D piece and you're trying yeah. to stay true to the, the source material. But, um, yeah, I'm quite a fan and, you know, I look at the quarter scale one from ARH and sort of umming and ahhing and umming and ahhing, but um, it's uh, it's certainly not cheap and with the exchange rate. <laughs> so there you go. All right, moving on from more studios, um, anyone remember Hard Hero? 
Ah, uh, yeah, that one. They pumped out thousands, didn't they? Hard hero. Yeah, they did. Um, they they were doing quite well in the in the late nineties. They were doing. Um, they were giving sort of Bowen a bit of a run when Bowen got started, and uh, I know their um, Iron Fist statue is quite sought after because it's quite a, a dynamic pose. But um, they had a go at Conan, and I think they did a really good job with their first statue. Um, because it's based on my favourite Conan artist, and uh, other than Frank Rosetta, uh, and that's John Vasima. And uh, I really like this piece, and it's another one that I passed on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Sensing a running theme here. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> but you managed to pick it up for quite cheap, is what you're going to tell us? No. Oh, oh. Every now oh. and then I have a bit of a hunt for it. And, um, oh, look, it's, it's not expensive, certainly by... Um, you know, it's it's cheaper than the, the one I reviewed in this episode. Um, but, you know, the one that I reviewed, you know, you certainly get your bang for your buck, whereas this one's quite dated. Um, you know, you, it was a, a whole different time in terms of production. Um, so, that, you know, I've seen this one in person, and that's why I've never picked it up, is because I just don't think that level of detail is quite there. But I, I really love the pose. Uh, I think they've nailed everything. He's um, wearing a very, very short skirt that's... Um, Almost makes me uncomfortable, but uh, I love the fact that you know they've uh, adapted Basima's artwork. Yeah, no, I, I love this one too. This is one of my favourites out of all the statues. Yeah, yeah, and speaking of which, they did it again with their next statue when they uh, uh, took on Mister Basima again. Um, mm. And this one, I've always had a bit of a an odd issue with. Um, you know, it's Conan. It's very sort of comic inspired. Um, he's got a, a two-headed axe in one hand, and then he has a very awkwardly positioned sword. Yeah. Yeah? Well, where else are you going to put it? <laughs> well, that's right. <coughs> yes, I mean, as you, you know, when you normally sling your sword on, you have it hanging by your side, you know, either on the left or the right, so that you can draw it quickly. Um, for some reason, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's based on, um, you know, inspired by some control art, you know, from a cover that I've forgotten. But um, Conan's sword is hanging down his front, and it's... Um, yep. I don't know. There's probably a hidden message in there of some kind. <laughs> you know, you get a mustard stain on your shorts and you try and adjust your <laughs> shirt to try and cover it so you don't uh, look full. Yeah. yeah, you don't look like a slob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I'm not feeling this as much as the other one. I think um, the sculpt certainly looks fantastic. You know, he's, uh, you know, the musculature's there, the hair's perfect. It's, it's straight out of the, um, the Marvel comics. Um, but that, that sword just, uh, you know, is a no-go for me. So... Mm. But, um, all right, moving on, and anyone a fan of Alex Ross? Yeah, I'm proud of that man. (laughs) Well, then you're in luck, because um, uh, Alex did a piece of art, Conan art, that was actually used in... Oh, I've got the book right here. It's called, um, I think it's Conan the Phenomenon, or no, it's um, it's the book by Roy Thomas um, that they produced, which... um, is uh, sort of the complete Conan universe, um, in particular from the comics, and Alex did the cover for that, a wraparound cover, and they've um, adapted it into a statue that um, doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, I was about to say, how much does it capture it? Because looking at the statue, it doesn't scream Alex Ross to me, but obviously it's not one of his more iconic characters. I think it's because it the... The painting that he did just hasn't adapted well into 3D. I mean, in 
the painting, it kind of looks like Conan is slashing with the axe and he just happens to be holding another weapon in his other hand. Um, whereas the statue, I think the sculptor has just had to go with, you know, the do the best they can and um, Conan's got his arms out by his sides and, you know, I kind of want to do a airplane sound because... <laughs> It looks like he's trying to fly or something. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's this, because the base is kind of, you know, it's a stone base and it's got a skeleton bit here and there. Yeah. Fairly grammar. It's almost as if it's a, do you remember that game Hero Quest or whatever? It's like a Hero Quest statue. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a very inspiring base. Um, It's a very comic inspired Conan. It's just him with his leather. Um, leather skirt, uh, sorry, his fur, fur undies and um, leather boots and not much else. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this one just yeah, misses the mark. So. Bit of a shame. Uh, and then Dark Horse have had uh, a couple of cracks at Conan as well. So everyone seems to be um, getting one in. And you mentioned this one before, Eddie, certainly the, yep. the story. Snow Giants. I love, I love this statue. This um, is probably my favourite out of all the statues uh, that we're talking about tonight. So it's Conan with his uh, horned, helmeted look uh, going up against two of uh, the giants. Uh, One's missing an arm. There just seems to be, uh, we talked earlier about that statue that had that nice reed and flow to it. Uh, So with this one, you can see it's definitely mid-action. The giants are swinging their axes. Uh, Conan's going into a bit more of a defensive move than a slashing one, but he's probably coming out of a slash. And, I mean, I could just stare at this for hours and imagine the battle that they're having. It's actually quite impressive. He's actually cut the throat of the, um, the giant on the right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's holding his bird giants kind of going, oh, no, you've just cut my throat. Um, <laughs> I, I love this. This is based yeah. on um, a Frazetta painting. I mean, if you Google Frazetta Conan, you know, you're only going to get a dozen or so um, images, um, you, you know, excluding duplicates, of course. Um, you know, but each one is quite fantastic, and this one in particular is very, very impressive. Mm. Um, yeah, I quite like it. Um, yeah. I think it's based on the, on the Frost Giant's daughter. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, this is um, a hard statue to come by now and uh, goes for quite a few bucks on, on eBay. But there's certainly a lot going on. And um, kudos to Dark Horse for attempting this one because, you know, I mean, it's not just one character, it's three, and there's quite a bit happening in this as well. So, um, and, and, I mean, the other thing, too, when you're adapting something like a Frazetta painting is you're actually sculpting this in 3D. So you just don't know what's happening on the other side of the painting. So, you know, a lot of careful work goes into these things as they discuss with the, the various estates as to, you know, go, well, what, what's on the back of the cloak? Um, you know, is it just fur? Is there an emblem? You know, what's on the shield? Because you can't see the front of Conan's shield. So, you know, what's on the front of that shield? Where would he have got it from? You know, would it be, um, you know, from, from Kush? Would it be Hikanian? Or it's, it's just hard to say. So, yeah, I appreciate that they go through the effort for something like this. So, and this is one of the really big regrets that I never picked this up. So, uh, another one? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It is starting to get depressing. Yeah. So pretty much you're the guy that goes to Las Vegas and doesn't drop a single dollar in a casino, right? Uh, no, that's no. me, actually. I, <laughs> unless it's the bar. I I put 10 bucks in and won 110, so I, I took my money out and ran with it. Yeah. So, um, Anyone a fan of those classic comic character figures that Dark Horse does in the metal tins? Oh, yeah, wait, no. 
Uh, I've yeah. never really taken to them at all. Um, but uh, Dark Horse have done a Conan one, and what I think is quite interesting about this uh, is it's the only piece of Conan merchandise that I've seen in terms of kind of figures and statues and that that's actually based on Barry Windsor Smith's art. And uh, if people are wondering, Barry Windsor Smith was the original artist on the Marvel Conan title. Um, he was the guy they got in when um, when they Roy Thomas um, convinced them to do a, a Marvel comic, and he wrote it himself. Um, they couldn't afford um, John Buscema's page rate on an untested um, property, so oh. they got a very young British chap named Barry Windsor Smith, and um, he did the first oh, I can't remember fourteen or sixteen issues or something like that. So um, yeah, it's actually based on on Barry's artwork, and um, look, this these things have a very vintage kind of feel to them, so you, you don't expect a, a lot going on with them. But um, man, boy's the Kona one gone up in value. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, huge bucks now, a couple of hundred bucks for this one if you can find it on eBay. And um, look, I probably wouldn't give you a quarter of that. Uh, I'm just not a fan of these at all. I, I know there are a lot of people out there who love the vintage stylings of stuff like this, but uh, no, not for me at all. I think it's tin collectors. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that um, that rounds out our Conan statues, so it's nice to know that there are people out there who are feeling the barbaric love and uh, and want to sort of capture him in 3D. But um, we've also had a few Conan busts um, that have come out uh, from Dark Horse. They released a series of busts starting in 2003. Um, and uh, first and foremost was uh, my favourite, um, and that's Conan the Slayer. Um, and I think this one is pretty darn awesome, actually. Um, got a, a very Frisetta feel to it. I don't know about that face. Yeah, look, I think it's one of those situations where before you buy it, you have to have a bit of a look to see um, you know, just how good the paint job is. I, I don't think it's the sculpt. I think it's... You know, to a certain extent, it's the paint. Okay. Um, it looks a bit bug-eyed and, uh, in the one we're looking at. Um, certainly, you know, this is um, th- that sort of older, grizzled Conan. And, uh, you know, for a bust, it's pretty good because he gets both arms. Uh, I know a lot of the early bone busts, you didn't even get arms. So um, it's quite detailed, particularly the jewellery around his neck. Uh, I think they've done a really good job with that. Um, that was sculpted by a fellow named Jeffrey Scott. Uh, and it's actually got a bit of a... Um, Conan movie feel to it because the sword that he's holding in his hand is um, very reminiscent of the Atlantean sword that Conan gets out of the cave. This is one of those ones and it's um, beauty in the eye of the beholder uh, when it comes to Conan and his different looks. But for me, I'm not a big fan of uh, this hair for Conan where it looks quite straight and neat and his fringe almost seems fairly exact it just feels like and this could be this is coming from a bald man so this could just be hair envy um but it just always seems weird when he has perfect hair uh to me this is um post but before he goes into battle and gets it um you know full of blood Mm. and stuff like that yeah i just think it's quite menacing the way he's got um holding the sword in the left hand and everything Mm. um i certainly think it's um a lot better than the next one which is, uh, that was, the first one was 2003, then in 2004 they did um, and I don't like it at all, um, which is odd, given that it's also Jeffrey Scott, um, but this one is quite awkward to me. How, how's the hair this, on this one, Eddie? 
There, yeah, this is almost that opposite. There's too much gel now and way too that just woken up in the morning and you find a dragon in the bed with you and it's just yeah. we've all been there. Yeah. Um not yeah, not digging this. And it's look, it could just be the picture we're looking at, but it's almost as if they've painted this on a clear resin and he's he just has a weird colour look it's to him and yeah, the teeth being the same colour as the eyes is always... Looks like he needs a double base or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's out of like an early 80s yeah. metal band. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm also not feeling... It's, it's Conan in battle with a, a serpent and um, he's kind of holding it in his left hand and he's got a, a knife in his right hand and he's about to stab it with it. It's it's not quite a snake because it's, it's got these little arms and a fin on its back. Um, yeah... Don't know. I, I remember seeing this one in the flesh and just thinking, yeah. And and even body wise, like where the uh, like this worm dragon is sort of wrapping around him too. Just for how wide his body is and how thin that would get with the wrapping, like he'd, he'd be a paraplegic for life after this yeah. battle. For how tight that's coming in on that bait. Not yeah. surprisingly, this one um, hasn't really held any value, and you can actually pick it up quite cheaply on eBay. So, and this is one you actually picked up at the time, ironically. No, 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 and I don't have any buyer's regret either. Um, I'm just not a bust person. Um, I've never sort of taken to the concept of you know the bust. I've got the um, women of the DC universe busts, and that's really about it. I had, I think it was two Bowen busts, and I I sold both of them um, recently in my my big um, my big sort of purge. Uh, Don't regret it. Some. Luke Cage and Namor. So, yeah, none of these really have taken my fancy. The next one, though, was um, 2008, and it was um, the Savage Sword based on uh, John Buscema's artwork. And, uh, yeah, look, I I think it's got the the Buscema feel to it, Mm. um, but it's just a really awkward pose. Um, I don't quite know what's going on. Conan's got his left arm, like, out in front of him with his fingers splayed and he's holding a sword in his right hand and yeah i don't know what's going on here i don't know he's waving to someone or he's either casting a spell or he's um waiting to catch cat's shield (laughs) yeah yeah maybe mjolnir is on its way back or something yeah it's worthy um look you know i mean everything the the actual sculpt itself i think they've done a great job the the paint job in particular on the skin tones looks fantastic it looks quite weathered um and that sort of thing and yep it looks like john basima um no problems but it just, yeah, it just feels a bit, um, a bit too sort of um, metrosexual for me. It uh, hmm. doesn't really have that sort of savagery that I'd expect. So, But uh, moving forward, 2011, and we had Conan the Avenger. <laughs> so, I don't know, what are you thinking? I'm thinking that he's uh, gone back on the evolutionary scale two or three steps. <laughs> yeah, does anyone know why I don't like this one? Uh, oh, it's his name. Yeah, it's his name. It tells you. No, but you need to know that because you would just think that it's some kind of Neolithic Mongolid man otherwise. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the problem with this one is, yeah, it's a bust, but instead of working the base into the actual bust like they did with the snake and things like that, um, this one's just a, you know, it's got a big, big-ass kind of square base um, that's black, and then they've got his name in big red writing, and um, you know it goes against everything that I like in terms of um, 
you know, my statues and busts and stuff, I don't like any kind of nameplate whatsoever. Um, I think if it didn't have the Conan written on there, it wouldn't be too bad. But um, in his left hand, he's got an axe, and in his right hand, he's got the head of a, a severed ape kind of thing. And, um, yeah, don't know. There's, there's one picture down here, if you scroll down a little further, of a close-up of the profile, and he kind of looks like Ian McKellen in a share wig. Yeah. To me, in the- <laughs> I think that's about as good as you're going to get. Yeah. Which I would see that movie. I'm just going to put. I think too with this one is it's not particularly dynamic. Like he's holding the head of this um, creature that he's just killed. He's got the axe in his hand, and then his head. Uh, sorry, the the facial expression. He's completely nonplussed. It's almost like he's thinking about what he's going to have for dinner tonight. Like he's just, um, you know, there's no sort of grimace or gritted bad teeth or anything like he's you know in the you know the savagery of battle he's just kind of like oh, ho-hum another <laughs> day is a barbarian so yeah. um all right well then they rounded it out with their fifth and final bust and um this one's a lot of fun um this one's conan yes very much in in mid-battle um very plain base which is quite nice because otherwise it might have taken away from from the action but conan's got his shield raised up and he's got a number of arrows uh, stuck in the shield, and he's got the Atlantean sword in his right hand. You know, the, he's also got the the battle yell going on, so he's got the mouth open. Uh, I quite like this. This is my second favourite of the busts. Mm. Um, don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I really like this one as well. Just um, the dynamic. You've got the movie-inspired sword once again, sort of making an appearance, and kind of comedically, I do like that. Depending on the angle you look at, it almost looks like he's running away in retreat <laughs> as well, potentially after copping a few of those arrows. But I do. I this is one of the ones I've seen in person a few times, and I do really like this one. And it's one of those ones, even though there's no name in that, and Conan does have the risk of coming across as generic. I mean, you see this, and I think you know that's Conan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, um, uh, it is a good one. I do. I, I worry about the narrowness of the connection between the base yeah. and the rest of it. Yeah, it's very fine indeed. I think you'd be very careful taking that one out of the box. Yeah. So. All right. Well, just wrapping up this discussion with a few bits and pieces. Um, there was actually a, an unreleased bus by um, Moore, um, which was based on the um, the statue we talked about before, the. Frisetta Barbarian, so it's literally just taken from that statue um, with a cutaway and a, and a small base added, um, which apparently never went into production. Um, and also, there was a, a custom statue, Eddie, that you were quite um, taken with. Yeah, I really like this one. Um, and I'd never come across it until we was doing this toy history and you added it into uh, the links to have a look at. And it's one based on a Bruce Tim piece of art and someone's gone and made up their own uh, statue here. So it's Conan uh, standing sword in hand with a uh, bare chested maiden on his back. And uh, so you're saying that the man who made this actually sort of made up a few and was selling them off um, to a few collectors? Yeah, yeah. This um, So obviously he decided he liked uh, Bruce Tim's version of Conan so much that he would sculpt a, a statue um, and put it into production. And, uh, look, I think they made uh, a couple of dozen at the most and um, this one goes for big bucks when it shows up on eBay because there's so few of them. So, but it is a lot of fun to see a Bruce Tim version of um, of Conan. 
Yeah, and the, I mean, the sculpt work on this is just beautiful. It really does capture that Bruce Tim design. I mean, you wouldn't know that this was just a fan-made project looking at it. You would believe it's a, a real licensed product. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, a few other bits and pieces. Um, there was one fellow who sculpted a one-to-one scale Conan bust, which uh, is absolutely uh, fantastic, uh, incredibly realistic to the point where it's, uh, I think if you stuck it in your house, someone would think it was a severed head. Um, pretty much defines Conan. I'm sure, Eddie, you're not that comfortable with the uh, the, the well-combed hair. Yeah. <laughs> But it does look amazing work, though. Not taking away from that. Very realistic. Personal choice. Very realistic. Um, and, um, yeah, there's a few other bits and pieces. Dark Horse did a couple of PVC sets. Um, but then there's also the um, Masters of the Universe, Vicor. Yeah, yeah, Vicor. So he was a weird one. It was based on a piece of art by uh, Mark Taylor. Um, I believe, uh, who is a designer at Mattel, uh, that looks very much remarkably like uh, Conan, particularly the uh, Barry Windsor Smith uh, sort of era there. Um, I mean, you look at this, so many people saw this art and just said Conan, 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 and there's always been a bit of a myth about the history of Conan and the Masters of the Universe line, which I'm going to go into at a later point down the track, so I won't go into too much here. Uh, It was supposedly designed before Mattel had the license uh, for Conan. I think the artist was just very much inspired by Conan, when he did this, but uh, personally, this is actually my favourite Conan figure. Um, this <laughs> was the figure when it was announced that actually got me collecting Masters of the Universe Classic. This is what brought me into the line. Uh, I love this figure so much. It's still one of my favourite figures from the line today. And, yeah, this easily blends into me as just being a fantastic Conan figure. And uh, from what I heard, quite a lot of Conan collectors just picked this up and added it to their own collections. Nice, nice. And then we have the Wonder Breeder E-Man. Yeah, so this was one I added in as a bit of a footnote uh, into the run here because there's a big myth behind Wonder Bread He-Man that he was actually a prototype Conan figure that uh, mysteriously also made it out onto the market uh, through a Wonder Bread promotion. But uh, the history behind Wonder Bread He-Man is a fantastic one, but it is a long, long story uh, that I won't go into here because eventually these other guys I'm speaking to want to see their families sometime this week. (laughs) Uh, So I'll go into that more. Uh, in a bit of a toy history project me and Ben were cooking up uh, later on. Uh, or And if I don't get around to that, I've got a bit of an essay written up on it. I'll check on the forums uh, somewhere. So either or, I'll put it out there. But, yeah, couldn't uh, have a Conan discussion without that footnote. Sounds good to me. Well, I think that was pretty uh, pretty epic, pretty barbaric. And, mm. uh, thanks, gents. And that wraps up our discussion topic. We'll be back in a moment with some feedback before we wrap things up. Dragon Ball Z, the saga continues. Cosmic evil is on the rise. You and your friends are Earth's only hope. Will Goku and Trunks Super Saiyan power be enough this time? Gohan's in danger until Team Dragon Ball Z joins the fight. But wait, it's evil freeze. The Earth is still in trouble. Your friends are in for the fight of their life, but you won't let them down. The fate of the world depends on it. Each sold separately. 
before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. And if you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you may just hear it read out. And Adam, you've got something. I sure do. Jason Gambrell has sent us what looks to be a Facebook post and he says, Hey dudes, just recently discovered your podcast. Right now I'm listening to episode 14 with you guys talking about taking pictures of action figures. Here's a photo that I took recently <laughs> and uh, he has used his figure arts Goku with the surprise slash I've just pissed off Chi Chi face. And um, Gamera kind of doing the creepy stalker coming up from over your shoulder look. Yelling in his ear. Yeah, which looks like <laughs> uh, the Monster Arts Gamera. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good photo. I, I like, really like that, yeah. yeah. I, I love people um, in this digital age taking pictures of action figures and particularly mismatching um, <laughs> different action figures from different line. I um, annoy a lot of my friends on Facebook with it. Yeah. And then Scott commented. Yeah, so then Scotty's chimed in with, nice, and wow, what a commitment to go back that far to start listening. Do we sound younger? Did John have more hair back then? And uh, Jason's come back with, lol, took a leap of faith and started with the first episode. Don't know how much you guys have improved over the years. 17 episodes in and love it. I look forward to listening to the other 160 plus episodes. (laughs) Thank you for your deep commitment, Jason. I don't think I managed it. I do wonder if it's going to take... you know, how many, you know, 160 episodes before Jason hears his name read out on the show in feedback because he's going in numerical order. <laughs> can we can we go back into past episodes and just <laughs> lay in? The feedback. Like, oh, when do you think that Jason... But now we need to know where he's up to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We could drop in some, like, little just subtle hints. So. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much for your uh, time this evening. Uh, has been fun. Always a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, we're going to say goodbye and go to bed. Mm. All right. See you, guys. See ya. Bye. Just so we're clear, we're not going to bed together. No. Is there anything wrong with that? No. Wait, what? No. I just washed my sheets today. Oh. <laughs> I, actually, I actually did. I went and brought new pillows today, so I'm looking very much forward to bed. <laughs> That's it. I didn't buy any action figures, but in Feeding the Pillow Talk edition. <laughs> pillow Talk. That's, that's <laughs> the new podcast. A new segment. The AF- next AFB spin-off. Pillow Talk. Bye. Bye. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter, at AFBlues, and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 